Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Uh, your pandemic planning and then a question about your economic plan. You, you spoke about the need to access the outgoing administration's COVID vaccine distribution plans. What do you see as the biggest threat to your transition right now, given President Trump's unprecedented attempt to obstruct and delay a smooth transfer of power? More people may die if we don't coordinate. Look, as my chief of staff, Ron Klain, would say, who handled Ebola, a vaccine is important. It's of little use until you're vaccinated. So how do we get the vaccine? How do we get over 300 million Americans vaccinated? What's the game plan? It's a huge, huge, huge undertaking to get it done, prioritize those greatest in need, and work on our way through it, and also cooperate with the World Health Organization and the rest of the world in dealing with this. And so they say they have this warp speed program that they not only dealt with getting vaccines, but also how to, do, how to distribute this. If we have to wait until January 20th to start that planning, it puts us behind over a month, month and a half. And so it's important that it be done, that there be coordination now, now or as rapidly as we can get that done. On the economy, uh, the vice president-elect talked about having an economy on Friday, NBC News projected President Trump the winner in North Carolina and called Joe Biden the apparent winner in Georgia, meaning the results are close enough that the outcome could depend on the recount that is currently underway. That's when we use the word apparent whenever it can slip into recount territory. As we mentioned earlier, Biden has matched President Trump's 306 to 232 electoral vote margin of four years ago. President refuses to concede, just reiterated again on uh, social media. And Republicans have either backed his false claims of fraud or have remained silent. We invited Every single Republican senator to appear and meet the press this morning, they all declined. But we are very pleased that Republican Governor Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas has agreed to join us this morning. Governor, thank you. Welcome back. And in fact, I hope to talk to you as much about COVID as we do about politics here. But let me get the politics out of the way. The way. Um, who do you believe won the election? Uh, I expect uh, Joe Biden to be the next president of the United States. Uh, it was good, actually, to see President Trump. Trump uh, tweet out that uh, he won. I think that's the start of an acknowledgement. Uh, and it is very important that uh, Joe Biden have access to the intelligence briefings uh, to make sure that he is prepared. Uh, during times of transition, our enemies have an op opportunity to try to take advantage of us. Uh, we want to make sure that there is a, a smooth transition, particularly when it comes to uh, the vaccine distribution, the coronavirus, that uh, everybody understands what we're doing there and what the plan is for the future. And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 18th of November, year of our Lord, 2020, and that's a good start. How you doing out there? If we don't do the transition, you're all going to die. No fear mongering, mongering at all. Followed up by Chuck Toad. So this this podcast, as you could tell, is always I like to do. You start it off right and you go through it. Going to have media bias day. That's pretty much what we're covering. Violence. <clears throat> and I was going to cover some fraud. But 
Well, we'll get to it in a second. We'll get to it in a second. It's exactly what you thought would happen. If people did say, hey, this is fucked up, and it just instantly stopped. So, um, it is cold as hell. If I sound a little uh, hoarse, it's because it's freezing here, and I just got the heater on. I should turn the heater on a lot earlier. Um, and I'm down in the bunker with a chill liner wrapped around me, Christmas lights on, big cup of coffee, and we're going to have a fun podcast. I want to thank the people that got back with me, Matt O in Tennessee and two other people sent me emails, which I'm not going to say their names. They asked, you know, not to be, but we are going to go with the, uh, YouTube concept, uh, turn of the year. Santa has said that, uh, she's going to get me one. And I'm going to uh, start doing one show a week on YouTube. Uh, set up the shop so you got a backdrop, and we'll do a companion video and audio. So I'll be recording on uh, the YouTube channel, and I'll simultaneously be recording on uh, Audacity, putting out a podcast so you could see it both ways. On that, you know, I will be using video live. We won't be using music because you can't because of rights. So YouTube doesn't put up with that. Whereas SoundCloud, nobody's going to freak out that I used a 20 second clip off a bumper uh, or for one of my bumpers and I play a song occasionally. So um, we are going to go with that. So thank you for the feedback. That'll be the new year, kind of going a new direction uh, to make it a little more enjoyable. A lot of times trying to, you know, describe videos isn't as fun. Plus it'll be more in tune. You know, there's not as much editing for me. I just play the video, show the camera on there, and we're, we're golden. So uh, with staying on the media contest, I, I want to start straight off. This was Fox. What do you want to have happen with those 700,000 votes? The ballots are already mixed in. Do you just That's want 700,000 votes to deducted on. from, we from Biden's sure total? We want to sure that conversation happens. You're trying to say this is done and over. The I'm not. I'm, say, I'm not done and, done and over. I'm not done and over. I'm asking where you're going to find the votes to pull ahead. Ca- where are the, the votes to pull ahead? Forward. The, that, this is now my third time to try to get this answer out. The legal path ahead exists here because there are clear constitutional violations that ahead. Keep snarking. Okay, you know, so, making so your what happens? And rolling Aaron, your Aaron, eyes, Aaron, Aaron, take me through. I get it. I get what ha- it. You Aaron, guys spent Aaron, years trying to wrap the Russia hoax against it's very, the president. It's very simple. I'm trying what to say happens? this is over. How does the president? And the hypocrisy continues because you know what? Hillary How does the president go ahead? Don't concede to Joe Biden. What do you want to have happen to the 700,000 votes? That this is over for us. It's ridiculous. What do you want to have happen to the seven? That what do you want to have happen to, to the decide, votes? decide, Leland. Okay. That is up for the court to decide. But we should be able to have the conversation no, about no, those votes when you're saying, trying to say this no, is done and over. No, nobody's trying to say that. I'm just simply asking you. You guys keep calling uh, President Elect. It sounds I don't like know you guys you, are I don't know who you guys. Over. I don't know who you guys are. Okay, you and I are having who, crime. I'm trying to have a conversation with you. And I'm Aaron Perini. I'm trying to ask you. I'm the President of the United States. I'm trying to ask you very simply. Where are you going to find the votes? You say we want to count every vote conceivably because you think that means you're going to pull ahead. Where are the votes in a path to 270? Where? We are taking every legal avenue that exists in these states to make sure that legal votes are counted and illegal votes are counted. Here's a question for you, Leland. For every Democrat and every talking head on the news, how much fraud is okay? How many dead people can vote and you're okay with that? How many ballots are run through a machine multiple times and you're okay with that? No, it's a serious question. We want to protect election integrity in the United States. And we said for months that we want I, to I'm, I'm, I'm unclear when you start saying you guys who are lo- lo- not counted. Who are you lumping you everybody guys, together you with, Aaron? You, you guys? Really? The media? 
the, the yeah, media in, the media in general so now it's just you just attack everybody if they don't agree with you okay um no, not, not, not much doing not much I'm else to say Aaron, uh, Aaron, we, under, Aaron, we understand where you. you want where you want to go with this thank you we appreciate your time Jillian always well the Biden yeah that's that's pretty surprising I don't know who the cat is that did it but um basically conservatives said Benny Fox News is now indistinguishable from CNN. The segment is disgusting. Every single conservative in the country should stop watching. I stopped watching on 11-3. Leyland Vitter is his name. And without further ado, they're cratering. Literally, Morning Joe is winning in the ratings. Not with a lot of people. But Fox has bled. Newsmax is benefiting from a huge fashion from Fox News driving away its audience. Uh, Literally, Newsmax, let's see, is leading with the Fox business, CNBC, Newsy, own the next level. Newsmax beats Fox business and CNBC combined. And so has OWN, which, surprisingly, um, I've tuned in a couple times, signed up for a free thing, just to see what people were talking about. And I don't think they were pro, you know, either one of them, Newsmax, which just, they haven't called the election, but I don't think either one would be considered alt-right death media as the media is trying to portray them. I just think it's more conservative, and for whatever reason, Foxes decide to coddle up to a liberal administration, and they're done. Other than Hannity and Tucker, they're done. I mean, nobody's watching. I used to be able to go on a Dish and see what's trending. You know, they have a what's hot, what people are watching in your area. And every morning it was Fox and Friends, which I just couldn't stand. I hate all those people. Um, they're just annoying. It's not anymore. Newsmax is, and we'll get more into that later because the media really doesn't like that. They, they, uh, we had some more tech useless briefings, but they don't like the fact that people are going elsewhere. But our first on cue, a block story, Byron York. In 2017, Joe Biden founded a cancer charity, the Biden Cancer Initiative. In two years, they took in $4,809,000 in contribution. They spent $3,070,000 on salaries, $956,196 on travel and conferences, zero for anyone else. And Mark Levin nails it. Now they tell us. David A. Farenhold of the Washington Post for persistent reporting created a model for his transparent journalism and political campaign coverage while casting doubt on Donald Trump's assertions. Remember that? Yeah. So not only do we ignore Hunter Biden, but we didn't even cover that. But we've covered Trump's two scoops of ice cream. Then we got people... And I'm once again, building a case, you know, why we're getting people walking away. People magazine gushes over Biden Harris story with an eight page time 
to unity cover. His decade-long quest to the White House was at last fulfilled, but as Joe Biden prepared to address the nation on November 7th, he thought less of the victory than of loss. The common purpose loss that is barely divided America and the losses of his own darkest time. Oh, oh really? Because I just heard him say we're all going to die unless he takes over. I don't think that helps on the division. Daily Beast. Dems knew Hunter Biden drew huge social media buzz, but MSN spiked. This is from the Daily Beast. According to their data, there were more social chatter happening around the Hunter Biden story than there had been around stories about Hillary Clinton's email in 16. Fearing a redux of the disastrous end of the campaign implosion, the team drove further into the research when they found there was more assuring while the Hunter Biden story had taken off on Facebook, YouTube, and various right-wing sites, it had not crossed over into mainstream outlets. The Democratic freakout over the potential damage of the Hunter Biden story led to the Democratic impeaching Donald Trump for daring to suggest the president of Ukraine that he'd like to know more about the black sheep of the Biden family. That story, good. The reason why he was doing it, we still have not covered. Sam Stein. According to Biden campaign metrics, online chatter about the Hunter Biden story during the election last week was greater than it was around Hillary emails during last month of 16. The difference is it never spilled over to mainstream outlets. Lisey Bridge. Media was 100% protecting Biden. Almost as if the entire media was running defense for Biden. Mission accomplished, the mainstream media. That comes from Joe, Jojo. And he's right. Our media is so bad, you have people doing the way back. Uh, Kelly Paul. Senator Rand Paul just got attacked by an angry mob over 100, one block from the White House. We covered on the show. Kelly Paul. Watching video of people being assaulted and mobbed by BLM Antiphon DC tonight brings back awful memories. One example of media bias. When Rand Paul and I spoke out about our mob assault, the AP reported our claim was without Evans, despite 10 minutes of video. Didn't fit their narrative. You know, I watched, um, if you haven't watched Laura Logan, uh, Fox News is hurting so bad, they sent me an email and I got a $1 for a month, which I'm sure they're not just offering me, but everybody uh, Fox Nation. So we signed up just to watch Laura Logan because she did the uh, socialist invasion. And I watched that series. Really, really good. But I watched a media biased one. When you go through that show by the end, it's so many things you forget. Sandman, it was just January of 2020. All the different stories. How the media has just made shit up. And the best was actually interviewing Carter Page, which we talk about the New York Times top level. It might be it might be Pence talking about Trump, some nobody that never even met Trump. That was the thing about Carter Page I never even knew. He never met Trump. He was a CIA asset, but they based a whole investigation off him and a steel dossier that they knew was fake. And at no time has Shift or anybody in the DNC been held accountable for lying. 
nor is the media even Mia Copeland, hey, we fucked up. But these are the people we're trying to come to compromise with. James Lindsay, conceptual James. The opposite of woke is not conservative. It isn't even anti-woke. It is freedom. Dan Ariel, the opposite of woke is closed-minded selfishness and an inability to learn. It's anti-intellectual and cruel in one's ability to dismiss the lives and lived experience of others and refusal to learn from those lives. There is no freedom in one's inability to grow as a person. Scheuden fraud. You just described liberals. Closed-mindedness. Who's more closed-minded? Is it conservatives who are now living by the old liberal mottos of you do you, I do me? Or is it the left who tells you what you can say, what you can eat, what you can drive, you can't go to your church or kill grandma, but we can burn down cities. Or the very fact that throughout the last four years, going back into early 2016, when Donald Trump announced his presidency, conservatives have been beaten all over this country and nobody gives a fuck. Nobody. It's not even covered. I mean, this is a WAPO reporter. Good afternoon, this is Megan from Alpharetta. I'm calling for Miss Petunia. Hey, Miss Petunia, how's the weather over there in Decatur? Oh, yes, it is lovely here today in Alpharetta. I'm so sorry to bother you on the Lord's Day, but I just wanted to make sure that y'all were all set up for our runoff election for Senate on January 5th. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, bless y'all. Yes. Yes, we have uh, Pastor Warnock and we have uh, Mr. Ossoff. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That's great news. Okay. Well, thanks so much, y'all. Have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye now. Whatever it fucking takes. Washington Post TikTok guy, comma, Georgia. Quote, tweeters, this is not me. This is me telling you I'm on the section of TikTok about the runoff election. Yashar Ali, why do people not save themselves and delete and not and do a new tweet? It's like you're all masochists. Eric Erickson, this level of condescension is what will help the GOP in Georgia. Noah Rothman, this is funny, but the grain of truth that makes it funny is the naked contempt for these voters from the coasts. Love these elitists who think Southerners are just a bunch of slow-speaking morons. Matt Whitlock, now becoming one of my faves. Californians posing as Georgians and even doing cartoonish accents to fool them into voting for Democrats is about as 2020 Democrat as I can imagine. And Dave here is just reposting the video. He's not the guy in it. Oh yes, mocking Southern voters. Super effective. Nothing fires up Southerners more than being mocked for being Southern. And we talk about it all the time. But that's what they do. The left is obsessed with belittling the flyover states. Daily Beast. This this guy is paralyzed. And because he stood at the RNC convention, 
or since he stood, he's just been mercilessly attacked by the left. This is a Daily Beast article. Madison Cawthorn, the North Carolina Republican who will become the youngest member of Congress in history, has admitted he tried to convert Jews and Muslims to Christianity. Here's their section. The North Carolina Republican will become the blah, 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 Jews of Christianity. In an interview with Jewish Insider, the 25-year-old who came under fire for selfies he took at Hitler's vacation retreat in Germany, got to get the Nazi in. We do it all the time. Claimed he had converted several Muslims to Christ and several culturally Jewish people. If all you are friends with other Christians, then how are you ever going to lead somebody to Christ? If you're not wanting to lead somebody to Christ, then you're probably not really a Christian. Drew Holden. Spoiler, Christian evangelical is in fact both Christian and evangelical. That's somehow evil in the eyes of these people. But blowing oneself up and killing other Muslims for, what, 12 years? That's okay. We have no problem with that. It's all right. You're a xenophobe. You're an Islamist. Or Islamophobic, if you don't fucking say that religion's okay. And throughout this whole COVID, that's all we've gotten is Christian bashing. The reason why people die of COVID is Christians. It was an actual article we did. But it's always there. Here's Gail King, disappointed everybody's a fucking racist. And Chris Hayes, already doing his bidding as a good DNC operative. Oh, the GOP's putting landmines in front of Biden. Jesus Christ, what the fuck has been the last four years with Trump? It wasn't a matter of going low or high. You went in. They <laughs> called it Barack Obama unleashed. Was it personal for you or did you just think, I've had it? It, it wasn't personal. Actually, what I... You didn't I, have a I've had it moment? The truth is, everything I said, I was just stating facts. You've got a president right now. He wants full credit for an economy that he inherited. He wants zero blame for the pandemic he ignored. But it was out of character for you to speak up, Mr. President, that way. 72 million people voted for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. What does that say to you about the state of this country? Well, what it says is that we are still deeply divided. The power of that alternative worldview that's presented in the media that those voters consume, it carries a lot of weight. Are you worried about that? Yes. It's very hard for our democracy to function if we are operating on just completely different sets of facts. But as clear as we sit here today, we're not going to have a peaceful transition. I think about John McCain calling, George and Laura Bush welcoming you and Michelle Obama to the White House. Could not have been more gracious. I remember you inviting Donald Trump to the White House. If you succeed, then the country succeeds. I wish that you succeed because we want the country to succeed. He does not seem to have taken a page out of any of those playbooks. You probably heard the phrase salting the earth. It's a phrase that comes from the Bible, uh, from the book of Judges in the Old Testament. After an Israelite king quelled a rebellion in his own city, he punished his people by sowing salt into their land, rendering the earth useless for generations to come. Now, there's a real fear now that Republicans will essentially do the political version of that, knowing that Joe Biden will soon be president. And we now have our first concrete example of it. It comes in the way of a nominee for the Federal Reserve Board named Judy Shelton. Shelton was nominated all the way back in January, okay? 
And she is, to put it very gently, a crank. She believes, or believed, in a gold standard, basically defining the value of the U.S. dollar relative to the value of gold. Under a gold standard, you did have that stability, and I think that's what's missing. And so um, I like the idea of a gold standard. I mean, it could be used in a very um, cryptocurrency way. All right. Gold standard, gold bugism uh, is wackadoo. Nominating someone who wants to return to the gold standard would be like nominating someone to run America's cybersecurity apparatus who literally thinks we should abolish computers and go back to the abacus. The gold standard is backwards nonsense that would also lead to unparalleled misery. And for that very reason, Republican senators opposed her. For months, Judy Shelton simply has not had the votes. Susan Collins, for example, told the Washington Post back in July that, quote, in her past statements, Ms. Shelton has openly called for the Federal Reserve to be less independent of the political branches and has even questioned the need for a central bank. This is not the right signal to send, particularly in the midst of the pandemic. And for that reason, I intend to vote against her nomination if it reaches the floor. Sensible. A sensible statement about a crank who's been nominated. In fact, what made it all the weirder, honestly, is that Donald Trump was the one that nominated her. And Donald Trump, for all his flaws, which are legion, was not entirely wrong about monetary policy. I mean, the secret sauce of the Donald Trump economy before COVID was that because Trump had no ideological bearings, he just wanted high growth and low unemployment to get reelected. That meant a huge bump in deficits, high government spending, constantly bullying the Fed into looser monetary policy. Why he nominated Judy Shelton, no one can figure. But Republicans in the Senate were sensible enough to realize that putting her on the Fed was crazy and would be a really, really bad influence on monetary policy in the direction of lower growth. And no one wants lower growth. Now, she made it through confirmation in the Senate Banking Committee, but Mitch McConnell could not get her through the full Senate because several Republicans refused to vote for her. And so, as of last week, the Judy Shelton nomination to the Fed was not going to advance. Until something happened. Until Joe Biden was elected. Because now, just yesterday, we got an announcement that suddenly, magically, after Joe Biden is set to become president and inherit an economy amidst a COVID crisis with 7% unemployment and massive need for loose and aggressive monetary policy and fiscal help, oh, now the Republicans, now they've decided to put gold bug crank Judy Shelton on the Federal Reserve, advancing her name for a vote on the Senate floor. Now, now, after Biden was elected, now we'll give you the gold bug crank on your Federal Reserve Board. This is how they are salting the field. This is the booby trap they're leaving behind. The first of many. What they will all do now is collectively pivot towards a demand for austerity and cutting deficits so they can grind the economy into the dust like they did under the last Democratic president who they also handed a once in a century disaster to. We here on All In, however, are not going to let anyone forget what they're doing. It's what they do. I mean, that it's a mocking TikTok, but you hear it in the media. Then you hear Ilian Omar. No one has the privilege of inaction. No one has the privilege of saying this or not their battle. When we don't actively fight against regressive ideologies that contribute to their growth, we must encourage or be courageous, for we are spreading a radical vision of love and unity. Ilian Omar says that Trump rallies are Klan rallies which means she's calling all the voters KKK members. Is this the unity Biden speaks of? To speak about me at every single rally didn't really matter where he was. Uh, Sometimes multiple times in a day. 
um, as he had held his Klan rallies throughout the country. To yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Me. That that totally makes sense. I mean, these people are so fucking evil towards anybody that disagrees with them. Bill Maher thinks they're toxic. And finally, new rule with two Senate seats in Georgia still possible. Seats that will make the difference between gridlock and progress. Democrats must figure out why so many voters still say to them, you're good enough, you're smart enough, but doggone it, we don't like you. Under the headline, Something Went Wrong, the New York Times described a post-election conference call between Democratic leaders where they wept, cursed, and traded blame. Wait, I thought we won this one. <laughs> Which we did. We did. And yes, ding dong, the whiny little bitch is dead. <laughs> Celebration is in order. We took a big step towards saving democracy and in the process lost 280 pounds of ugly fat. That's my last fat joke <laughs> for the next five minutes. But Democrats were supposed to flip the Senate and didn't. Supposed to flip state legislatures, not a one. And they lost seats in the House in a year that was so much about making people aware of racism. Their share of minority votes went down. The message to Democrats from so much of the country seems to be, we don't like Trump, but we still can't bring ourselves to vote for you. If Cracker Jack was made of popcorn and dog shit, and half the people threw out the popcorn, popcorn should want to know why. <laughs> Liberals can either write off half the country as irredeemable, or they can ask, what is it about a D next to a candidate's name that makes it so toxic? Let's ask Ruben Gallego. He's a congressman from Arizona, and he was asked how his Democrats could do a better job connecting to Latinos. He said, first, start by not using the term Latinx, which the vast majority of Latinos have never heard of, and when they do, don't like it. Who likes it? Pandering white politicians who mistake Twitter for real people. And don't get it that Latinx is like fetch. You can try to make it happen, but it's never gonna. <laughs> Virginia Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger said after the election, if we are classifying Tuesday as a success, we will get fucking torn apart in 2022. <laughs> That's a Congresswoman. <laughs> she was urging members not to talk about defunding the police. James Clyburn agreed. Defund the police is killing our party, he said. Pennsylvania Democrat Connor Lamb says Democratic rhetoric needs to be dialed back. It needs to be rooted in common sense. Thank you. Thank you. There, in my opinion, is the crux of the problem. Democrats too often don't come across as having common sense sense to a huge swath of Americans. And these are people who believe in QAnon. <laughs> but as I've said before, politics in this country is binary. You have to wear everything anyone on your side does. Republicans are the party of don't wear masks, kids in cages, lock her up, and Democrats are the party of 
every hypersensitive social justice warrior woke bullshit story in the news. They're the party that disappears people or tries to make them apologize for ridiculous things. Anne Hathaway apologized last week because in her new movie she plays a witch. A fictional character that has three claw-like fingers and that's offensive to people with limb differences. Hey. The week before, the NHL's Arizona Coyotes dropped a player after it came out in the press that when he was in eighth grade, he bullied a disabled kid. Yes, that's a bad thing to do. But are we really going after people for what they did in middle school now? Democrats already lost seats for going after what Brett Kavanaugh did in high school. Common sense. Last year, I read about how NBC held an emergency meeting to determine if Mario Lopez should be fired from his job at Access Hollywood. I thought, holy shit, did he sexually assault somebody? No, he went on a podcast, and when the host brought up the trend of liberal parents letting toddlers pick their gender identity, he said, my God, if you're three years old and you're saying you think you're a boy or a girl, I just think it's a dangerous as a parent to make that determination. Cue the groveling apology followed by America saying, uh, yeah, I think Mario's right. Maybe kids shouldn't make big life decisions while you still need to make choo-choo noises to get the food in their mouth. <laughs> I can do this all day. Cite stories big and small that are endlessly on people's news feeds that add up to a constant drip, drip, drip of these people are nuts. Everybody heard about that story out of San Francisco about a guy who got on a crowded elevator with a female professor and when she asked what floor, he said, women's lingerie. You know, a little joke for which he earned a formal complaint because it left her shaken. Shaken? Who are these jellyfish? Like the woman who almost derailed Biden's campaign because he kissed the back of her head before she went out to make a speech. She said her brain couldn't process what was happening. Really? Your brain couldn't process that? Like string theory or wormholes? <laughs> An old man was trying to show support in his old man way. She said she was embarrassed, shocked, confused. Well, then the outside world isn't for you. And, <laughs> and certainly running the world isn't. I talked to a guy in the Midwest once who told me this story about the day he went out to get his car in the supermarket parking lot, but couldn't back out because a mother and her very young daughter were standing behind his car, which was next to their car which had a Hillary bumper sticker on it. And the little girl was screaming at her mother, who was profusely apologizing to the child. And he said to me, I just can't let people like that take over this country. That's what people vote on, not policy. Democrats kept saying in the campaign, you can't possibly think Trump is preferable to what we're selling. And many voters keep saying, yes, we can. In fact, our primary reason voting for him is to create a bulwark against you because your side thinks silence is violence and looting is not.
Because you're the party of chasing speakers off college campuses and making everyone walk on eggshells and replacing let's not see color with let's see it always and everywhere, formerly the position of the Ku Klux Klan. It would be so easy to win elections if we would just drop this shit. Democrats need to listen to our new president-elect's old boss. This idea of purity and you're never compromised and you're always politically woke and all that stuff, I, you should get over that quickly. Quickly, like before they vote in Georgia. I mean, what does that say? Bill Maher. The idea of purity and you're not co- never compromised and you're always politically woke and all that stuff. You should get over that quickly. Barack Obama. Rebecca Johnson, this was the best new rules segment ever. Thank you, thank you. I love my damn party, but I've never been more turned off by the intolerance and the woke people. That's all they have. Fareed Zakaria. Likens Trump contesting election to pre-Nazi Germany. Damn, the Democrats. The Biden-Harris administration will restore the soul of the nation and bring us together as one America. The entire world just send laughing gifts. It's like, did you watch what happened in D.C.? This isn't going to stop. Kamala Harris, whatever. It's not enough to save our economy. We need to build a system that gives all people, including people of color, a chance to succeed. Velvet Sunshine. Will they all have to perform sexual favors to get their first job? Somebody else. President Trump has done more than any president in my 63 years. He already created the best economy in history. Your fascist, Marxist, socialist, communist, radical agenda will destroy this country. And he lists everything. Carolina conservative, yeah, then maybe one day we can even have a black president with eye rolls. Because that's that's where we're at. I mean, that's the fuck where we're at. We act like we didn't have a black president. But we did. I mean, here is just a tidbit, because I'm trying to keep it all shorter, of... Obama. Just a tidbit. I titled it The Promised Land because even though we may not get there in our lifetimes, even if we experience hardships and disappointments along the way, uh, that I at least still have faith we can uh, create a more perfect union. Not a perfect union, but a more perfect union. You write in the book, our democracy seems to be teetering on the brink of a crisis. What do you mean? We have gone through a presidency that disregarded a whole host of basic institutional norms, uh, expectations we have for a president that uh, have been observed by Republicans and Democrats uh, previously. Uh, and maybe most importantly, uh, and, and uh, most disconcertingly, what we've seen is what some people call truth decay, <laughs> something that's been accelerated by outgoing President Trump, the sense that not only do we not have to tell the truth, but the truth doesn't even matter. 
What are these false claims of widespread election fraud doing to our country right now? The president doesn't like to lose and uh, never admits loss. Um, I'm more troubled by the fact that other Republican officials who clearly know better are going along with this, are humoring him in this fashion. Um, it is one more step in delegitimizing not just the incoming Biden administration, but democracy generally. And that's a dangerous path. We would never accept that out of our own kids behaving that way if they lost. You know, I, I think that there has been uh, this sense over the last several years that literally anything goes and is justified in order to get power. Uh, and uh, you know, that's not unique to the United States. There are strong men and dictators around the world who think that I can do anything to stay in power. Uh, I can kill people. I can throw them in jail. I can run phony elections. I can suppress journalists. Um, but that's not who we're supposed to be. Mr. Obama is speaking after four years of virtual silence on Donald Trump. In A Promised Land, he wonders if that was a mistake. In your book, you ask, quote, whether I was too tempered in speaking the truth, too cautious in word or deed. Many Americans, Mr. President, believe you were too cautious, too tempered. I understand why there were times where my supporters wanted me to be more pugilistic, to, you know, uh, pop folks uh, in the head and, 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 and duke it out a little bit more. Uh, Was it a mistake that you didn't? Uh, every president brings a certain temperament to office. I think part of the reason I got elected was because I sent a message that... That fucking guy, man. I mean, it, it's so funny for the media just to roll around like he wasn't still running the country. Because he was. He has been finger-fucking this country forever. And now it's like, well, you know, Obama said this. We really, really need to fucking look into that. I mean, if the guy, once again, said, stand on your head and eat peanut butter, these media people go crazy. Unhinged of Barack Obama allegations about Trump are a lock for the induction Hall of Fame. What we've seen is that some people call truth decay, something that's been accelerating by outgoing President Trump. We sense that not only do we not have to tell the truth, but the truth doesn't even matter. Steve Guest who drone weddings and targeted journals compare Trump to a dictator, thinks, I can kill people, I can throw them in jail, I can suppress journalists. The entire world just showed what he did in the office and all the things we haven't reported about the left for the last 12 years. 12 years, they've gotten away with it. They've just gotten away with whatever they fucking want. There is no justice. And now that they went overboard and suppressed everything, especially social media, and Fox has gone liberal, Brian Seltzer is still just losing his shit. This is CNN, the world's news network. 
Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and it's time for Reliable Sources. This is our weekly look at the story behind the story, about how the media world works or doesn't work. This hour, the latest on America's exploding COVID-19 crisis and how it's being covered at the local level. Plus, could losing an election be good business for the Trump family? We have new insight into the grift that's underway. And later, President-elect Biden biking past the press. I'll tell you what the reporters assigned to cover Biden are saying about him. But first, I think we should be honest about America's supply and demand problem and why democracy is in a perilous place right now. The 2020 election is over, even though President Trump is still in denial about that. His claims of voter fraud are the fraud. Thus, reliable news sources are mostly moving on to cover President-elect Biden, to cover the transition instead. But there is an entire constellation of websites and talk shows that are in denial just like Trump. They are supplying disinformation about the election results. And wherever there's a huge supply, there is a high demand. These crowds in Washington over the weekend prove the point. These crowds are being deceived about the election. But there's demand for it. There's demand for a fictional universe. You know what? I don't want to call it an alternative reality anymore. Because it is not reality. There's nothing real about this. But in this fictional parallel universe, the election was rigged. It was stolen out from under Trump. And Trump was the rightful winner. This is the new birtherism. We are going to be reckoning with the consequences of these lies for years. Now, I don't know what you thought after the election. I I kind of thought this stuff would start to subside by now, nearly two weeks after Election Day. But think again. It is actually getting worse. These made-up stories and claims about voting machines and other fraud, they are airing all across Fox and other parts of the right-wing media world. Trump lawyers like Rudy Giuliani are being given free reign and lots of airtime to spread these lies to millions of people. Those lawyers are losing in the courts. So instead, they're fighting in the court of public opinion. They're fighting on Twitter, they're fighting on Fox, and on channels even further to the right than Fox. And there is a great, terrible supply of this content. That's true, but it is time to wrestle with the demand problem. Supply and demand. Now, to be short, take a page from Economics 101. Supply sometimes creates demand, and social media algorithms sure do fuel it. But as Jay Rosen said right there, the demand is an important part of this story. There are lies about voter, voter fraud all across social media these days. These lies would not be nearly as popular if there were no demand for it. These marches that Sarah Seidner was at yesterday, they would not be attracting thousands of people if there was no demand for this parallel universe. It's the result of a poisonous stew of social alienation, negative partisanship, severe distrust of news sources, and I'm sure there are other factors as well. Look, the Trump supporters in my life, the people who voted for him two weeks ago, they don't believe the election was rigged. They're moving on. Most people are moving on. Most Trump voters do not buy all the baloney uh, that's being sold by Rudy and by Trump and by these others. But some do. It's hard to know exactly how many. But I think we can confidently say, as I look at the ratings reports and web traffic reports, that millions of people are buying into this parallel universe. 
Something remarkable has happened in the past week. Something I've never seen happen in the right-wing TV world. Fox has dominated right-wing TV for 20 years. But that, that situation, that monopoly control, is starting to break apart. Newsmax and One America News, channels that are further to the right than Fox, that are claiming Biden is not the president-elect, these channels are seeing a ratings surge. And some right-wing media viewers are expressing their frustrations with Fox. Why? Because Fox called uh, Arizona for Biden early on and uh, because Fox is identifying Biden accurately as the president-elect. I want you to listen to a few of the comments we picked up on this week from Trump supporters. I don't trust Fox News. Well, I don't even watch Fox anymore. Even Fox News is crooked. How bad is Fox News now? They're the enemy of the people. This is real. This is something real that's happening. Not among all Fox viewers. The network's range are still very high. But there's a balkanization going on, a breaking up of right-wing media, with some Fox fans giving up on the channel and going elsewhere instead. Where are they going? Well, they're going to One American News, but they're really definitely going to Newsmax. We can see that in the ratings. I'll show you in just a moment. But first, I want you to hear some of the BS that's being broadcast on these channels. The fate of the republic hangs in the balance here. Trump won the election. He'll win the recount. He'll win in court. He won. Donald Trump is going to be done with being president in four years. Do you see what he did there? Greg Kelly is the highest rated host on Newsmax. He is claiming that Trump will prevail and that he will be president for another four years. This is not reality. This is not an alternative reality. This is a parallel universe of disinformation. It's a fantasy being sold, being supplied. And there is demand for it. Let me show you the ratings for Newsmax. I've never seen anything like this. In the 16 years I've been covering Fox News, I've never seen a channel pop like this, going from, I don't know, like 100,000 viewers a day on a good day. Greg Kelly's now getting a million viewers a night. Fox has never seen competition like this in its history. So what you have going on is this right-wing audience that's ticked off at Fox News for not being pro-Trump enough. I never thought I'd see it. Even Trump is telling his Twitter followers to try Newsmax, to try One American News. He's tapping into that anger at Fox News. But you know what? He's trying to have it both ways. He's also promoting Rudy Giuliani appearing on Fox. He's promoting Jesse Waters and Jeanine Pirro and Sean Hannity. Trump doesn't want news. He wants propaganda. And that's why he shares the propaganda videos that come off of Fox at the same time he suggests that his fans look elsewhere. This is all about supply and demand. In this country, there's a lot of demand for straightforward, accurate news about President-elect Biden. Most Americans want to know about the transition. They want to know what's going to happen next. But there's also demand for this fictional universe where Biden is not president-elect, where Trump is not lost, where the fight continues, where the election continues. And millions of people are demanding this content. I know we talk a lot about the supply, right? I, I talk about Rudy Giuliani. I'm saying he's, he's out there spreading BS on Fox. That's the supply. But we need to talk about the demand. Why is there demand? Why do so many people want to consume these lies? 
So that's where we start this hour with. Let me bring in. See, you know they're a fascist with their concern with a couple million people not watching their form of journalism. Because you'd find out that two counties already in Georgia during the recount, they never even counted 2,600 Trump votes. That a whole county in Michigan said, we're not certifying this election because it's all fucked up. Then they got doxxed, had people protest their fucking house, and they recanted after the Secretary of State said, well, okay, we're going to check all this stuff. I promise you we'll check it. Because they said, this is all broke. These computers were fucking fucked up. Votes were flipped. Thing wasn't counted. Everything is broken. But they got beat up. Figuratively. For voicing that. They're not reporting. Since election day, over 100 of 243 Dominion employees on LinkedIn have deleted their profile. Because it's all jacked. This, there's stories of literal own is putting it out. I don't know if it's true. Of finding servers overseas where the real election was. You see it and what they altered. And they're saying it was a landslide Trump. Now, do I know if it's true? No, I don't. But I would never know in this media because they won't even touch the story, which once again, what they're freaking out about people watching other than mainstream media and their fascism towards every other media source makes me think maybe it is true. Ben Shapiro, how can we rebuild public trust? Ask the media watchdog while glowingly quoting the folks who helped undermine public trust. Tom Mullen, you don't understand the question. How can we build public trust? Translates from progressive into English is, how can once and for all stamp out dissenting opinions, not only from the lips, but from the mind of the dissenters? See, the left realize they've gone too far, and now nobody's watching their shit, because Mojo might be winning, but it ain't that many fucking viewers. So instead of going, hey, you know, social media suppressed everything. We didn't report anything on Biden. We didn't even talk about his policies. Uh, We'll do stories like this. White people will believe anything except facts. Adam Schiff. Trump is interfering with a peaceful transfer of power. Sweet fucking Jesus. You're kidding me, right? You're fucking kidding me. What was the last four years? Chad Pergam, Schumer on GOPers contesting election. The margin's not even close. No court's going to overturn this election. Joe Biden will be stalled as president. Installed. So Republicans, get over it. Stop spending all your time spreading lies about the election. And then he went on to the stuff you think he's going to go on. First woman, first African-American, first Asian-American. Ah, we're about demographics. That's all we care about is demographics. But the world latched on to installed and went, what the fuck? And they're angry. Because now they are really getting accused of what they've done for four years by normals. Because states had to be reversed, things had to be fucked with. It's patently obvious 
they were trying to get to 270 for Biden the quickest way they could so they could call the election and then go, wait a minute, we called it. You shut your fucking mouth. They're just angry. And I was going to do it separate, but I'll just do it together. There'll be a little break. Here's the regular characters, and then you just have Cuomo and CNN. Sweet God. That'll take us into our first break. And you'll come in from that break with some more COVID stuff, because we moved it up front. COVID is now what we said it was going to be. They are motherfucking full court press to put you in your house and own your life so they can install their new government in January. Hopefully the the uh, whatever happens in the future, who knows which administration it will be. I guess time will tell. The, our next guest explains the outgoing president's refusal to concede this way. Quote, what Donald Trump is attempting to do has a name. Coup d'etat, poorly organized though it is, it is not bound to fail. It must be made to fail. With us to talk about it, Professor Timothy Snyder of Yale University. Professor Snyder was a Marshall Scholar, educated in the Ivy League and over at Oxford, specializing in Europe and the Holocaust. He's the author of two books of note to our discussion, On Tyranny, 20 Lessons from the 20th Century, and The Road to Unfreedom, Russia, Europe, America. Uh, Professor, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, You're in Vienna, Austria, where it's um, unbelievably early. We appreciate that. So a dual question, how do we look over there right about now? And to all those people who think the danger to democracy has passed with the election of Biden, are they right or wrong? Well, as to the first question, how do we look? In general, the leaders of European democracies are quite relieved. The four years of President Trump have been a test for Europeans and their institutions. Europeans have become more independent and in some ways more powerful. I think they, they in general, agree to Biden administration, not as a chance to go back to the past, but as a chance to try to now address the real challenges of the future. As to Mr. Trump, we have to remember that this is an authoritarian-minded leader who's in a typical authoritarian situation. In other words, if he leaves office, he faces a billion dollars in debt, which there's no sign he can repay. He also faces criminal investigations at the level of the city and the state of New York. So like authoritarians around the world, he fears leaving office. He has very strong reasons not to leave office. So we, we should take the threat, um, the threat of his lie about the election outcomes, but also future possible threats between now and January very seriously. Democracy doesn't win. It's the people who win when they support democracy. As you look at home from there, and when you come home on your next visit, do you view it as a changed country because millions of people uh, decided, maybe over time, like the frog-boiling experiment, to become at least tyranny-curious? John Carl, our mutual friend and a big friend of this broadcast, Michael Beschloss, uh, choosing 
uh, to become the master of the black and white historical photo in addition to being the master of history in our country. Today he tweeted this out, a classic photo, 1944. This is Sewell Avery. You don't make names like that anymore. Chief of <laughs> Montgomery Ward stores. He um, refused to leave his office uh, on federal charges, so they sent in the National Guard, and they brought him out seated. Uh, Michael knows very well what he's doing in posting that today. As they say in the airline business, we know you have your choice in air travel. Michael had his choice in photos to, uh, to tweet out today. So with that as the background, what are these days like to cover at the White House? Uh, it's it's so strange, Brian. I, I, I talk uh, all the time with people very close to the president, people in the West Wing, uh, outside advisors, also uh, to top Republicans uh, on Capitol Hill. And, and to a person just about, uh, they, they say, look, of course it's over. We know it's over. The president knows it's over. He just has to, you know, go through this process and run through these lawsuits. Sunday morning. Nearly two weeks after an election day contest won by Joe Biden, by more than five and a half million votes so far, and by a comfortable electoral vote margin, the country is facing two interconnected crises. One, the President of the United States refuses to concede the election, claiming falsely that it was somehow stolen. His Attorney General is currently encouraging investigations into voter fraud, despite a lack of evidence that any of his exists. His Secretary of State is suggesting the president will be inaugurated for a second term. Perhaps he was kidding. The president has fired his defense secretary and is filling the defense department with loyalists, some of whom traffic in conspiracy theories. If this were happening anywhere else, our State Department would be issuing grim reports about the future of that country's democracy. But that country is this country. It's happening here. Making matters worse, the administration is refusing to allow Biden's team access to secure communications and classified briefings, including Operation Warp Speed, which covers vaccine distribution for the exploding COVID crisis. And in fact, this is happening as President Trump is all but ignoring the pandemic, reportedly not having even met with his own coronavirus task force in at least five months. The pandemic is at its highest peak yet. In just the last week, 31 states have set records for new cases, and the last six states have seen the highest case counts nationwide. In short, President Trump is refusing to acknowledge two realities, his defeat and COVID-19. But the virus does not care as it continues its march across the country doing exactly what experts have long predicted it would do. You tweeted something that really has unsettled me as I continue to think about it this week. You wrote, what Donald Trump is attempting to do has a name, coup d'etat. Poorly organized though it might seem, it is not bound to fail. It must be made to fail. Coups are defeated quickly or not at all. While they take place, we are meant to look away, as many of us are doing. When they are complete, we are powerless. As you mentioned, more than 72 million people voted for Donald Trump. It's the second highest popular vote total ever. And that's after four years of him blowing up all the norms of this office. And he has a stranglehold on conservative and right-wing media. So... Is his strategy working? Is the coup nearly complete? I don't, I, don't, I don't think the coup is nearly complete. I mean, I think the most important thing is to see it what it is. I mean, uh, uh, Americans have, have many talents, but unfortunately, one of our talents is sleepwalking. We, we have a tendency to say, well, this isn't really happening. This guy couldn't really be doing this. And if it is happening, somehow the institutions or somebody else is going to save us. Look, he's going for it. 
he, he owes a billion dollars that he can't pay off. He's facing criminal investigations. Like most people of an authoritarian mindset, he would really like to die in his bed, an ideally a comfortable bed in a place like the White House. He's going to go for it. That doesn't mean he's going to succeed, but it does mean that while he's going for it, people have to line up. The lawyers have to do the right thing. The, the, the people on the streets have to do the right thing. Law enforcement has to do the right thing. The departments inside the government have to do the right thing, which means peacefully obeying the Constitution until January 21st. So if we just look away, then we lose. We have to look at it for what it is and react appropriately. So how do Republicans in Washington justify saying, well, they're questions? Has any of them given you proof to back them up? None. Well, we should let the process play out. First, they want to play a victim. You know, when you say, remember them, I say, remember them. They say, oh, he's targeting us. Yeah, you are being targeted. But not because you're victims, because you're victimizing the rest of us. And people must remember and hold you to account when Trump is no longer there to somehow in your perverse reality spread the sunshine on you. You know this time is supposed to be for Biden to get up to speed. And you know the need for that is unique right now. And yet the Trumpers are keeping Biden back with so many in this country literally dying from a lack of leadership. And by the way, while they're saying let the process play out, they're not doing anything with their own legislative process to give you relief, are they? Why not? Remember what they did for Trump and remember what they didn't do for you. And this kind of isolation is one of the unspoken tragedies of the elderly who are now being told, don't see your family at Thanksgiving. For many people, this is their final Thanksgiving, believe it or not. What are we doing here? What the hell are you doing here? Yeah, it could be their last Thanksgiving. If you expose them to people who aren't wearing masks, who aren't socially distancing and haven't been doing so and haven't gotten tested because they somehow think they don't want to get in on the con of COVID. You know, you want to hide on state news, you do it. But someday you're going to have to deal with real questions. And either you're going to come on a show or you're going to do it. But you know what? We may go back to old school and maybe the questions will come find you. Maybe when you're living your life nice and easy because you don't have the concerns that these same people that you're telling to rise up that they have. Maybe the questions will come and find you because you have to answer for that kind of guidance, let alone it's a doctor. Do no harm. Let's be clear. What we're watching is far more dangerous than Republicans simply coddling President Trump's ego until he accepts losing the election. It reveals a discomfort with democracy itself. Because after losing eight lawsuits on Friday alone, Republicans are enabling an autocratic strain in our politics that sees any election lost by their side as illegitimate. But the fact is that Republicans have gotten very comfortable winning without a majority of votes. Get this, Republicans have lost the popular vote in five of the last six elections, but won the presidency in 12 of the last 20 years. In the Senate, the current Republican majority represents 15 million fewer Americans than the Democratic minority, and that margin is only expected to grow. In the House, Republicans have benefited from the rigged system of redistricting, which led Democrats winning more congressional votes, but fewer House seats in battleground states. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know
Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows It's the most wonderful time of the year Silver bells, silver bells I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Memories, Christmas memories They're the sweetest ones I know Merry Christmas from Flyover Politic Podcast consequences. More people may die if we don't coordinate. President-elect Biden sounds the alarm over the Trump administration's refusal to aid his transition and the impact it could have as the nation battles the pandemic. The president-elect warns conditions will only get worse without a peaceful transfer. More people may die. Transition turmoil. President-elect Joe Biden says President Trump's refusal to allow the transition to begin could cost lives. More people may die if we don't coordinate. President-elect Biden said yesterday that people may die if there's not more coordination between the Trump administration and the Biden transition task force. What isn't getting done now that needs to get done? President-elect Biden struck his gravest tone yet, as we said, warning more people may die if President Trump continues to block his administration from coordinating. Joe Biden this morning says the president's refusal to concede and allow the transition to begin is a matter of life and death. President-elect Biden issues a blunt warning on the transition. He says the Trump administration's delay could cost American lives. Mr. Biden warns the administration's lack of cooperation could hurt the entire nation. President-elect Joe Biden predicted grave consequences if the Trump administration keeps stonewalling his team on the coronavirus pandemic. You spoke about the need to access the outgoing administration's COVID vaccine distribution plans. What do you see as the biggest threat to your transition right now, given President Trump's unprecedented attempt to obstruct and delay a smooth transfer of power? You just spoke of some of the dangers of the president's continued stonewalling of this transition, but it doesn't appear that the president is going to come around anytime soon and admit defeat. So what are you going to do? What options do you have to try and ensure that you are ready to go on day one? You have been urging the American public to continue practicing social distancing and wearing a mask, but with cases skyrocketing across the country, do you think that more governors should be closing non-essential businesses and reinstating stay-at-home orders? 
And just uh, following up on that, especially with many states reporting new highs in terms of the daily number of cases and a lot of public health officials sounding the alarm over the holidays, would you, what is your message to people who are considering, for example, getting together with their families and others for Thanksgiving? Would you consider, would you urge? You know, before we went into the bumper, which I apologize, or somehow when I save the new bumper i had a merry christmas for flyover politics podcast but it didn't show up so i basically just played music and you're like what kind of bumper is that so eh, kind of sucks i love how cuomo just basically yeah i'm threatening motherfuckers i don't care i'm frito bitches frito and then you come into the media literally supporting if you don't get biden in there now People are going to die. And I know why they're doing it, because they just want Trump to concede. They don't want it to get lost, because deep down in their hearts, they know this election is fishy as fuck. And I got to admit, I don't think there's a single major person in the media who didn't know it was going to be stolen in some form or fashion, or that fraud was going to happen. But they just want a Democrat so bad, because they're part of the Democratic Party, and they're just scared maybe enough American people will lose their shit. I mean, there's whole sections about Parler again. They're just freaking out. They don't like that people are finally just getting enough is enough, and it's just not Trumpers. It's everybody. We've been lied to. Treated like a mushroom and kept in the dark for fucking 12 years. And everything they talked about Trump was a fucking lie and all proven lies. I mean, just sign up for one more month of Fox. Those that are boycotting Fox, I got it. Yeah, I can understand if your your favorite fucking Kool-Aid went to shit. It would be like Tucker Carlson turning into a liberal for me. Because that's the only equivalency I have. I love Tucker Carlson. I love his show. I look forward to it. I listen to Ben Shapiro every once in a while. And if all of a sudden they just changed into liberals overnight and it was all fake, kind of like drudge, I would be crushed. But watch the Laura Logan. Just watch four hours of TV and then shut it off and pay your buck. This stuff just makes your skin crawl. It's sometimes so hard with it all of it stacking up that you forget how much sawed-off bullshit we've been fed for four years and then eight years of a bum, a bummer. And now you have the media supporting, if you don't transition Biden, we're all gonna die. If Trump made that fucking claim... Oh my God, they'd be rushing all sorts of scientists out. But the media is so fucking all in. Here's another round. Damn advisor, why the fuck aren't we just doing a mass mandate? CNN doesn't want you to celebrate Thanksgiving, but also they don't want you to celebrate Christmas. Jake Tapper doesn't. And then we got some more NBC craziness. We got Joy Reid and we got Chris Cuomo. It's all hands on deck. It's like the fucking pandemic just happened yesterday. Now, now Biden has been vocal, as we know, in his support of mask mandates. But there is some question about his authority to do it on a national level. How do you plan to convince holdout governors and local leaders to get on board with masks? And can any of that be done before Biden takes office? Well, I, I think I would remind the American people that this is something that is in their hands to control. Uh, it, they should be taking, we should each take personal responsibility for our health, 
the health of our families, the health of our communities. This is a great way to show that you appreciate the healthcare workers who've been making sacrifices for months now and still have months of true sacrifice ahead. This is a cheap, effective intervention that does not close the economy and that will in fact help us keep the economy open. Uh, but just to follow up on that key part of the question, how do you convince the governors and those who don't want to get on board, how do you convince them to go along? Just, so just don't do it, people. I mean, don't gather. So can families celebrate safely this Thanksgiving? Joining me now to discuss Andy Slavitt, the former acting administrator for Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services, or Medicare and Medicaid Services. Um, it's good to see you, Andy. So, I mean, I want to be with my family, but I'm not going to do it. But, I, I mean, what? Who's right? What, what, tell, what should Americans be doing? You should have Thanksgiving with the people that you're spending time with now, and that's it. Don't add, don't add parents, don't add neighbors, don't add college kids. Uh, and the good news is, I know that's hard. I know we all love our Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. But the truth is, we're crushing. We're crushing our hospital system. And the good news is, we do have vaccines coming. They'll be coming around the corner. So this is one year. You know, we have to find, we have to pick a holiday, Don, that we're going to take off. We didn't do it at Memorial Day. We didn't do it at Independence Day. We didn't do it at Labor Day. We've got 200 million tickets sold for Thanksgiving. This is not going to work. We're going to have over 100 million super spreader events happening. We've got to get the vaccine. It's got to be deployed and we can't abandon fundamental public health measures. You can approach a degree of normality while still doing some fundamental public health things that synergize with the vaccine to get us back to normal. So not until the second or third quarter of 2021, though. Christmas is probably not going to be possible. Yeah, I'm, well. Good evening, everyone. As the country appears headed into a dark winter, overwhelmed by a growing new wave of COVID infections, another hopeful ray of light appeared on the horizon today. A second COVID vaccine candidate, its makers say, appears to be more successful than imagined. Moderna announcing today its vaccine is nearly 95% effective. And with last week's upbeat announcement from Pfizer about its shot, there is building optimism about a way out of this pandemic, but one that experts warn sadly won't come before we face what may be the worst days of this crisis. And let's not get ahead of ourselves as the country waits for this vaccine. There's a new wave of shutdowns and restrictions we're watching aimed at stopping the surge. With more, here's Gabe Gutierrez. Tonight, California's governor is hitting what he calls an emergency break, dramatically rolling back reopenings for nearly the entire state amid an unprecedented COVID spike. Nationwide, almost 24 million Americans reported food insecurity, an increase of 6 million because of the pandemic. Texas has seen long lines stretching up to three miles. In California, one food bank reported a 125% increase in demand. In New York, workers are scrambling to provide turkeys for Thanksgiving. And while children are resilient, the isolation and fear many are feeling is causing a significant uptick in three to six-year-olds feeling overwhelmed, worried, or sad. One recent survey found 70% of kids five or older have such feelings. It's not just that kids want to play with other kids. Experts tell us they need that interaction to develop language, learn to separate from their parents and defer gratification, cooperate with others, and a host of other social and emotional.
He was just on the Senate floor yesterday, had his mask off when he spoke. The same Senate floor where this happened. Senator from Ohio. I'd start by asking the presiding officer to please wear a mask as he speaks. And people below him are, I can't tell you what to do, but I know that the behavior. I don't wear a mask when I'm speaking, like most senators. Well, I most senators. So I'll, I'll, I'm a, I don't need your instruction from. Anyone. I know you don't need my instruction, but I, there clearly isn't much interest in this body in public health. Little interest is an understatement with Senator Ted Cruz following that moment up with his own unique brand of jackassery. Tweeting the scene was idiotic. Sherrod Brown is being a complete ass. He wears a mask to speak when nobody is remotely near him as an ostentatious sign of fake virtue. Dan Sullivan was 50 feet away presiding. You are a covid Senator Cruz, I know you went to Harvard. I know you're really smart. You just try really hard not to act that way too often, especially where Trump is involved. The presiding officer, a Republican from Alaska, wasn't 50 feet away. He was right there with people under his nose. You would think Cruz would have a lot more sense about how bad this virus is. You see what's happening in his state of Texas? Just became the first to surpass a million cases. He doesn't say that often. Not to mention the hunger pandemic that is there. Thousands waiting in food lines in North Texas this weekend. Cars as far as you can see, filled with Americans in need when they shouldn't be. We tried to reach out to the senator, get him to take it off Twitter, bring it here, talk civilized, see if there's a better way forward. He said he's unavailable. We'll keep trying. Maybe he's got a new book. Imagine if you can being in a house that's on fire. And while you can hear the fire department sirens in the distance, Rescue is so close, you can't get out because someone has bolted the door. America is engulfed in a national coronavirus crisis. Our house is on fire. And Republican elected officials are doing the equivalent of locking the door with the American people trapped inside. So where is the president's party? Where is the party that bangs on about the sanctity of life? Right now, they're busy fighting mask mandates and pushing back on common sense health recommendations because freedom, which apparently means the freedom to die and the freedom to kill other people with the virus. So while Republicans are busy demanding freedom from masks, they apparently could care less about the 248,000 Americans who've lost their lives to the virus. And they accept no responsibility for any of it. I just want to fact check real quick to remind y'all that the companies themselves that are producing these vaccines were not involved in Operation Warp Speed and have said as much. So that's a lie. Unfortunately for the American people, the political divisiveness, meaning the rot, spread down the Republican pipeline all the way to the states a long time ago. Governor, thank you so much for being here. Um, I, I really appreciate your presence tonight. It is madness. I'm sorry. It's it's enough to, to, to make you want to climb the walls. It is incredible what Republicans are doing, including to you. They also don't believe in protecting people from dying of COVID. It's not about just stopping cases of COVID. We have to talk about the damage of the policy itself. He said for many people, this is this may this is their final Thanksgiving. And it will be for a lot of people if they see their elderly relatives and they can bury them around Christmas time. But unfortunately, we have to fight the virus and a political party that's entrenched itself and, and standing four square against democracy and against fighting the virus. They've taken the other side in terms of the, the war. Against- you got a theme there. You know, for the election, it was Trump's the virus. That's why we all died. Now it's if we do this, 
we can get him to concede and get out. We just got to keep the pressure on it because we got people so fucking scared. Which, before I go into the hypocrisy of it all, because that's really what's killing me, just the hypocrisy of what they do and you do and how we're, we're just, none of this matches up to what is going on. I mean, let, let's just for a second, for I tell a personal story. We were told to bend the curve. Liberal states have been bending the curve since February. March. It's, we've, we've come up with everything we can think of for reasons to not let you live and restore the economy because that would help Trump and we can't have that or people's dying. Oh, but wait, the numbers say it's only 6% of the 200-some-odd thousand are actually COVID. The rest all fucking, yeah, you were already dying. It's like the flu. You got it. It puts you over the edge. You know, I told the story of that lady freaking out because of my black gloves. Well, I went yesterday for my surgery appointment and come to find out I basically ripped the tendon and like destroyed the tendon between my ab muscles. It's almost the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened because this is like a woman's disease. Now, am I a sexist? No, I'm just saying women get this thing because they have Babies. So, I mean, I'm chubby, but the doc goes, that's not really why you got it. Whatever you did in lifting, you fucked up that tendon. So the tendon is spread out and has tears on the edges. Now, there's two reasons I'm going to cover this. Reason one is COVID. I go in there. The entire fucking hospital is locked down a la outbreak. And we've had 300 cases over the last week. I think total we've had 100 deaths, but most of them are from out of town. I don't even think it's 100. I, I, I know we don't have that actually many deaths. We, we have asymptomatic people. And there's been no change. You know, masks are required in places because the, as Tucker's been nailing all week, corporate America's all in on this shit for whatever reason, probably control. But there is no mask mandate. People don't wear masks. All right, I've wore a mask ever since it started. When they told us not to wear a mask, I wore a mask. So I go in this hospital, and I went in the hospital on Monday to get an ultrasound. It wasn't conclusive, because he believes I have a hernia and I have major tears, but he can't see it on an ultrasound, so now I've got to go get a CAT scan. So I walk in there, and I have a dust mask with respirator and filter on the front. I've wore this mask 
since about May. Nobody said a word. I come in Tuesday, yesterday. My mask is no longer authorized because I can breathe out too much. And they freak out and make me wear a surgical. I go into this hospital and there's nothing. There's nobody. My appointment's at 9.50. I walk in at 9. I get seen. He goes, which we'll talk about in a second. And then I start asking questions. And come to find out, they bunkered this hospital, not because cases, not because the emergency room beds, not really for any other reason is they were told to do it. And they set up a tent city on the other side, which is for drive-through testing. I ask them. How many people are coming? Not many, because there's not really an outbreak. I, I got to be honest, because he was a civilian. I don't know why we're doing this. But they're not seeing anybody for anything. And as I talk to the guy, I go, well, how many people are going to die from other shit? He goes, you just don't want to know. You just don't want to know. Because they're not seeing people for anything. The only reason why I got in there is because of the necrotic that can happen if your intestine gets plugged. So in the physical exam, he believes I have a about a one inch from my belly button to this tendon that's now flat and ripped on one side. But here's the catch. Remember Medicare for All and the media is pushing it and liberals are pushing it. Everybody's pushing Medicaid for all. Well, if you followed the show for more than a day, I'm on Medicare for all. TRICARE is that. That's what vets get. We have a reduced premium, about 100 a month, very cheap. But when I signed up, I was supposed to be free for life. I can go to the VA and be free completely, but I chose TRICARE for my family. Now, if you've listened to all my complaining about medical... It's, uh, you know, my blood pressure pills took a week to get them because they're in lockdown and the process is arduous. Well, when we start talking about my symptom, because it is a non-critical injury, TRICARE doesn't cover it because to sew that tendon back the way it's supposed to be, It's called elective. So he did a CAT scan because he knows I'm in a lot of pain and goes, if we find you have the hernia that I think you have, we can repair it under that. But you have to quit dipping and lose 20 pounds before we even do it. And that's not me. That's the system. Because they won't do it because you're obese on the BMI, which means I'm a normal middle-aged American, and you do tobacco and that's evil. Now, I want to highlight that for anybody out there. I I see a lot of California listeners. I love having you. And I don't know your politics, but understand, that's what you get. 
inarticulately during the Obama age, they said death boards. Oh, that's ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous. The reality is when you get into socialized medicine, which I am in, they do punish you for lifestyle. You're fat. You shouldn't be fat. We're not fixing that. You do tobacco. Tobacco is evil. You know it's evil. You still do it. We're not doing that either. And if you get to a certain age and you have an illness, it's a cost and demand thing. Well, you're 80. You're going to die anyway. So we're not giving you the chemo. Those are things that happen. That's why we have people from other countries coming here to get operations, you dipshits. Not my listeners, but people that argue, oh, that's ridiculous. No, it isn't ridiculous. It's run like a business. Insurance will just raise your rates or drop you. That's horrible. Got it. But the government will go, listen, if you're not, if you're eating beef, We're not treating you because beef is killing the planet and you're fucking evil. That's how twisted it will get because it's socialized medicine. You don't have a choice. If you're chubby, you're a piece of shit. If you do tobacco, piece of shit. If you drink alcohol, piece of shit. If you have high cholesterol, that means you're not eating vegan like we tell you to. One of the lower Logan pieces that really got me is how... They have de-farmed California. Because if you control the food, you control the masses. So up to 40% of all farmland in the Central Valley, through liberal policies, doesn't have the water to do it. It's not a water shortage. They just redirected it. And most of these farms are going to go out of business because they'd rather have us import stuff than actually grow stuff. Because then they can control what you eat. And to say I'm got a tinfoil hat, straws, soda pop, Jesus Christ, the list goes on forever that we reported on the show that liberal communities have said, that's fucking evil. We're going to tax it or ban it. So to say it's not part of their overall plan, well, that's a lie. So if you think this Medicare for all, and I tweeted it yesterday and got some likes, you're going to get long lines, long wait times, shaming for what, how you live your life, and a lot of Motrin. That's what you're getting. So I will walk around with a destroyed tendon, And if they find it, I'll lie and say I'm not doing tobacco, but I'll have to lose 20 pounds so they even touch me. Because it could happen again because you're overweight. The stress of your stomach being larger than it's supposed to be, and then you lifted something, made that tendon break. So basically, you're a piece of shit human being, and even though you served 20 years, and most of your injuries make you not be able to work out because your knees, hips, back, neck are fucked up, your shoulders are fucked up, your feet are fucked up, and we're paying you 80% disability, well, you're still a piece of shit because you're not in tip-top condition. 
So we're not going to treat you. You just suck it up, buttercup. If you live like we told you, we would take care of that. But that's an elective surgery. Because it's classified under tummy tuck. Even though it's a form of hernia. So now that I have a torn, destroyed, in an instant tendon that wasn't caused by me just being obesely fat and my stomach kept getting bigger and bigger and it just popped. No, it happened from lifting something. I don't get that treatment. And he says it's fucked up. He said, if you're in civilian sector, because he was a civilian doctor, I treat this because it is debilitating. But the government, no. You may be a retiree, but you're still supposed to be a private and basic training in shape. And because you're not, go suck a dick. That's basically what I got. So think about those things. When you start hearing the Medicare for all, I think what happens to liberals, free, the world does it, we should do it. Black people don't have health insurance or gay people are dying everywhere. Yeah, whatever. The reality is, it's not what you think it is. It's not free. It's not perfect. It's pretty fucking flawed. Because in the end, it is done by social engineering. By people that have never done a hard life. That don't have a budget to worry about. I mean, the biggest thing about American intake is not that we're all a bunch of fat fucking sloths in the middle of the country. It's not cheap to fucking eat healthy. That costs you a lot of money. So that's why there is, you know, hamburger helper, folks. It's cheap to buy some beef. It costs a lot to get some good vegetables. End of rant. So let's go on to the COVID. Once again, I truly believe, make them concede, own the populace. This is uh, this is ridiculous. We're treating it worse than when it first broke out. Here is a thread, compilation of the biggest COVID hypocrites. Mary Margaret Olham, D.C. Mayor Muriel Browser, says her trip to Biden-Delaware celebration was essential though Delaware's on a list of high risk. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot defends her haircut during lockdown. I'm the public face of the city. Lightfoot again. We played it about the celebration. Well, they're going to be there anyway. California Governor Newsom apologizes for going to a birthday party. Let's listen to that. That a few weeks ago, uh, I was asked to go to a friend's 50th birthday. Uh, my wife and I, a friend that I've known for almost 20 years, and uh, and a friend that had well put a lot of time and energy into his 50th birthday. It was in Napa, which was in the orange status, relatively loose compared to some other counties. Uh, it was to be an outdoor uh, uh, restaurant, and we started the well the program started at four o'clock. It was one of those early. Reservations. I got there a little bit late at 4.30, uh, and as soon as I sat down at uh, the larger table, I realized it was a little larger group uh, than I had anticipated, uh, and I made a bad mistake. Instead of sitting down, uh, I should have stood up and walked back, got in my car, and drove back 
uh, to my house. Instead, I chose to sit there with my wife uh, and a number of other couples that were outside the household. And you can quibble about the guidelines, et cetera, et cetera, but the spirit of what I'm preaching all the time uh, was contradicted, and i got to own that. And so I want to apologize to you uh, because I need to preach and practice, not just preach and not practice. And I've done my best to do that. Uh, we're all human. We all fall short sometimes. Uh, we've been out, and I think, for three times since. In fact, I know it's been three times because I remember all of those dinners very, very vividly uh, since February, just three times. Uh, twice with my wife by myself outdoors, and then this one occasion uh, with a larger group. And there were just a few extra people there uh, than the spirit of what I am promoting. Uh, and so if we're going to minimize mixing, you've got you to own up to that. So uh, I just want folks to know that. Paid for our dinner, uh, and we, uh, you know, we had an early dinner, but it didn't matter. Uh, I shouldn't have been there. I should have turned back around. And uh, so when that happens, you got to you pay the price, but you also own the mistake and you don't ever make it again. And you have my word on that. Do you really believe he just did that to be nice? No, he did it because he got fucking caught. That's why he did the, I should be better. And we all need to back our own bullshit. No, 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 no. You got caught. Thus you went to the press and they let it go because you're newsome. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kennedy apologized for dining indoors in New Jersey while indoor dining was prohibited. New York Governor Cuomo not apologizing for visit to Georgia and hugging Georgia Mayor without a mask. Northam apologizes for not wearing a mask in Virginia Beach. De Blasio goes to the gym on March 16th, the day that Cuomo announced all gyms in the state would be shut down. The YMC has been a huge part of his and his family, so it's okay, the New Yorker said. Can't forget the California lawmakers who went Hawaii. Yeah, that was a huge story. Pelosi canceling an in-person dinner for House Dems after being called out. Daily Caller has some great running list of these rules for thee, but not for me, politicians, that we're going to cover in a fucking second. Here's another. We deem our governor not essential. Amazing. This threat is amazing, and it's not just the hypocrisy shows these people are disingenuous. Don't tell me I'm killing grandma when you're doing the same thing. Whitmer's husband pleads for both. Stein, Feinstein caught in the halls of Congress with no mask. Cuomo caught on the street without mask. Chris Cuomo, the entire jogging incident where he beat people up. Verbally. Remember that? It was okay. Pelosi got a haircut. Suck a fucking dick. Just suck a fucking dick. I can do what the fuck I want. If you got a problem with it, you need to shut your fucking clam hole. I'm a fucking millionaire. You know that Laura Logan literally took a tour of where they live. Feinstein's house is disgusting. And if you go to the, to uh, Daily Caller, uh, politician list politicians breaking the COVID rules. Jesus Christ, it's even more. Illinois Pritzer, they're all Democrats. Mayor Garcetti, all of them, Democrats. But the funniest thing is they're really big on canceling Christmas. They don't want it. CNN. 
Biden says only way you should be allowed to have Thanksgiving is everyone wears masks, stays socially distanced, tests negative on the day before, and keeps it no more than five people. CNN, instantly they put an article out. If you think a negative test results means you don't have coronavirus, you could be wrong. Here's what you need to know. Do what we say. Shut your fucking mouth. Obey. I mean, everywhere. It's always obey. It's so bad lately, I actually made this soundbite. I think I'm going to start playing it in the background. Because that's all it is. Obey. You will obey. You will do what the fuck we say. Down by the bay. I just may. I just went into happy Gilmore. Sorry. Um, But what the fucking fuck? I mean, the canceling Christmas and New Year's. I mean, they are just like, oh, uh, they really believe that Trump's the reason people died because they've been saying it so much. You know, if you, if you repeat things over and over in your head, well, you know, you start to believe that crap, but these people, I mean, the curfew science, Ohio, Mike DeWine issues a statewide curfew for 21 days. We're issuing a curfew in Ohio that will start Thursday and run from 10 PM to 5 AM. The belief we believe that this will help reduce COVID-19 spread. I'm also asking each Ohioan every day to do at least one thing that reduces your contact. We're in this together. Each of us will make a difference if we can cut down contact by 20-25%. Paired with mask wearing, this will go a long way. Exceptions. The curfew do not apply to those who need to be at work, those who have an emergency, or those who need medical care. The curfew is not intended to stop anyone from getting groceries, a carry-out, drive-through meal, or delivery. A lot of this is common sense. And more importantly, uh, it's okay for you to, uh, once again, uh, you can go and fucking protest. We're not going to stop that shit because, you know, that's what we do. Arian Alex, does government Mike DeWine think he's combating vampires? And that was the that was actually the first thing I fucking said when I heard it. What the fuck? Las Vegas City Hall showing how they're enforcing Dems COVID directive tells many 1984 has arrived. Our business license office and compliance ambassador continue to visit 300 business per day every day to ensure they're following Solak's recent directive to help keep workers and visitors safe. Compliance. That is right out of Orwell. And yet, when we had this, I was going to play this, but have you seen the interview he had? Curtis Hoke, this is Biden, says the only way you should be allowed to have Thanksgiving, everyone wears a mask, blah, blah, blah. He says the 2021 holidays will be this way if we don't listen to him. And all the questions were, well, Joe Concha, First five questions for Biden, four focused on Trump, non-Trump questions about ex- executive orders relieving student debt. Biden occasionally looked at notes during some answers. Reporters stepped up to a microphone in a predetermined order. They weren't randomly called upon. Ari Fleischer, first question to Biden as his news conference, in quote, is a softball about Trump is doing wrong. Get ready for four years of softball. But it's not. This one by George Bennett. What do you see as the biggest threat to your transition right now, giving President Trump's unprecedented attempt to obstruct and delay a smooth transfer of power? How is that journalism? California, they're doing a curfew. 
Jay Inslee targets restaurants, churches, and businesses, but it's okay for the Seahawks game. Governor Lindsay concedes that the most dangerous place in Washington for COVID is our own homes, yet he closes businesses and churches and lets protests go on every fucking day. Amy Klobuchar, wear a mask. People's response, get stuffed. Better idea, if you see someone that without a mask, you don't like it, distance yourself. And then the rude stuff. Yeah, I can understand why you want to cover your face. <laughs> Another thread. Southern view of socialism. We'll listen to it. Hello to all of the conservatives out there and everybody else. Do you know what I think of when I hear the word socialism? I think about a potluck. There is nothing more Southern and country than a motherfucking potluck. (laughs) You know, everybody brings food and everybody eats. You don't have to cook for 50 people, but you help feed 50 people, you know? And then those who can't eat, I mean, those who can't bring food, they can still eat, you know? They can contribute in other ways, like bringing napkins or drinks or setting the table or doing the dishes. All right, shut your fucking yap hole. She's got purple hair. Socialism is a potluck you're forced to attend. (laughs) This is fuzzy Jim. There are 300 people and 50 bring food, all mushy canned green beans, which is the state-mandated minimum. There are three pieces of chicken for the first ones in line. There are no drinks due to planning errors. That's so true. The planning committee provided 18,000 pounds of oyster crackers for each potluck. 17,970 pounds of crackers go to waste, but it makes good economic sense to the planning committee because it keeps the state-owned oyster cracker factory operating. Mm. Ain't that the truth. 50 attendees are unable to produce due to disability. 100 attendees won't produce because they don't like to work or they're working on a free college degree, majoring in areas like feminism response to mating, rituals of bonobos with parallels to writing of Dickens. 100 attendees used to bring food to the potluck, but they don't see the incentive and continue to bring food when they can have what everyone else gets with no effort. They manage to join the non-producers before the plan crackers down on this behavior. The 50 who bring food are threatened with imprisonment and having their children taken away if they don't continue to bring their mandated food quota. The planners discuss how to deal with these traders over a seven-course meal at an alternative location. That's how I see it anyway. But maybe my hair's not purple. Oh my God, I didn't read this, but that's, that's the fucking first thing I noticed. I don't take advice for people with purple hair. Jesus Christ. Not a bell you can unring. Thread plastic public officials and their COVID regulations. It's everywhere. AG, if your messaging isn't consistent, you're going to lose credibility to the people you need to reach. Won't matter how much you lecture, people won't just accept two different sets of rules. It's a reality. Public trust is precocious or precious currency that was spent far too blithely this summer by public officials who should have known better. This is Peter Cook. Americans did trust the science in March when they collectively agreed to short-term shutdowns to bend the curve. They then watched the goal line keep moving and the casual dismissal of large gatherings by the same public officials who urged the shutdown. And that's my biggest problem. When you tell me it's okay to go to a SJW protest, but you're a terrorist killing grandma when you go to a conservative one or the CDC saying, hey, go and vote. 
You won't press spread COVID, even if you have COVID. Uh, you, you just lose me. What public officials don't seem to realize is the moment they dismiss large gatherings after endorsing shutdowns, they undermine their ability as experts in the eyes of a great many people. Even if they what they now recommend is true, it doesn't matter because they've already destroyed the one thing they need to maintain order, public trust. It's a holiday season and that people want to share a meal with their extended family, most of them who they haven't seen, I might add. They've watched media and public health officials shrug large gatherings while also telling us to cancel Thanksgiving. Mixed messages is the best way to drop a nuke on potential compliance. A post-Thanksgiving COVID-19 spike is likely, maybe more than likely, maybe it's inevitable, but it's extremely difficult to public policy a virus away or change human nature. Public officials tried at first but ignored their own rules, so the latter is now taking over. The moment you excuse the rules for a group of ideology you favor, people will notice and ignore those rules. If you try to impose them for some other, after excusing them for others, people will not just ignore the rules, they will hold you in contempt for your hypocrisy. There has been, been much bemoaning of the death of expertise. I tend to agree with David Hirasay on this one. Expertise was killed. It committed suicide. They have a socialism problem. Here are some of the comments from Democrats. Hispanic Democrat lawmaker expressed frustration with their party's base. Defund police, open border socialism. It's killing us, said Representative Vincent Gonzalez, a Democrat for South Texas, who won just over 50% of the vote two years after nearly captured 60. I had to fight to explain that. The average white person, Mr. Gonzalez added, may associate socialism with Nordic countries, but to Asian and Hispanics, it's left-wing regimes. It's true. And it goes on and on. They're having these secret meetings. It's getting out. But what they don't realize is their party is. Megan McCain. If you protest in giant masses, go to strip clubs and casinos, we can't figure out a way not to cancel wreaths across America. This came out this week. You knew it was going to come out. Sec. Of Army, I've directed Arlington National Cemetery to safely host wreaths across America. We appreciate the families and visitors who take time to honor and remember those who are laid to rest on our nation's hollow ground. Arlington National Cemetery, uh, the day prior. Due to current COVID-19 situation across the nation and willing and within the NCR, it is with great regret that we're canceling this. We're not doing it. We do not make the decision lightly. Despite the controls to develop to disperse potential crowds in time and space and required personal safety protocols, we determined that hosting any event of this scale risks compromising our ability to accomplish our core mission of laying veterans and their eligible family members to rest, stated Durham Algera Aguilera blah, 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 a liberal. We reviewed various options to safely execute this long-standing event and held numerous consultations, but in the end, we decided to say, fuck it, you go fuck yourself. Megan McCain. This is neither understandable nor acceptable. They sacrificed. We can't. Some things should happen all cost. If you can protest the giant masses, go to strip clubs and casinos, we can figure out a way to not cancel this. Vincent Coligales. What? This involved laying wreaths, and this was going to be my point, but I'll let him take it, on the headstone of Americans who sacrificed a lot more than going outside. 
I'm certain there are many volunteers who stand ready to do it. Dana Loesch, really sorry to read this. My family looks forward to kicking off Christmas by doing it. Representative Mark Walker, United States government asked 20 year year olds to fight Nazis at 44, but we can't ask people to do it now. Dan Crenshaw, reverse the decision. Here's the problem with this, and it goes to that lack of trust, socialism, progressive shit. You're talking about people who could walk by and grab a bundle of wreaths and walk in open spaces separated already six feet by the length between headstones and drop a wreath. How is that a super spreader? But Biden block parties and people beating up mega in Washington, D.C. are okey fucking dokey. My mom is in her late 70s. She believes this election was totally stolen. She's a liberal. And COVID is all bullshit now. When they lose my liberal mom, you got a problem, Dems, media. It turned into a cudgel, not a pandemic. So, as my phone's blowing up, my wife's out, and I make her tell me where she's at just because of the way things are. We're going to do a music break, actually have a Christmas song now, and we'll come in and wrap up with some uh, violence. Yeah, isn't that nice? Because there's more. It never ends. I'll be home for Christmas You can plan on me Please have snow
Nuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows it's the most wonderful time of the year. Silver bells, silver bells. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Just like the ones I used to know Memories, Christmas memories They're the sweetest ones I know Merry Christmas from Flyover Politic Podcast President Trump's baseless claims of fraud are fueling his supporters. Mr. Trump rode through the crowds as thousands marched through the streets of Washington, D.C. on Saturday. We are the majority. While the protests were largely peaceful, as the night wore on, fights broke out between Trump supporters and counter-protesters. D.C. police made 21 arrests and four police officers were injured while responding to the clashes. All of it following violent clashes in the nation's capital over the election results. Trump supporters rejecting the outcome of the race, echoing the president's false claims of fraud. 
more than 20 people were arrested in what started as relatively peaceful demonstrations, with thousands rallying for President Trump. Uh, those Trump supporters clashed with anti with counter-protesters who had come to push back on some of the far-right elements that had joined with the pro-Trump crowd. He is, you know, uh, celebrating his supporters who engage in street battles. Those supporters, those very same people who claim to be the party of law and order, uh, are, are now, just like Kyle Rittenhouse did when he crossed state lines and killed two people, are now engaging in violence over an election that they lost. What do you make of so many people showing up to defy what has clearly been a confirmed victory by Joe Biden? These are people saying we refuse to accept the reality of what we're seeing. Yeah, well, reality doesn't care if they accept it or not, right? They lost. They're going to keep losing. Um, as, as the Big Lebowski says, the bums lost, right? And so I'm not really, I mean, I'm concerned for the reasons why Jason said, but I, I, I don't forget the fact that these people are fundamentally um, a joke. These aren't serious people. These are members of a cult. I feel a little bit like I'm Jane Goodall watching people in the mist, right? Here we see the North American MAGA bro in all of its idiot glory. Their leader has left them for greener pastures, yet still they march neatly, uh, almost mindlessly, right? I mean, Trump drove by that, that parade to go golf. His entire election um, 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 results lawsuit strategy is a grift to make money for his campaign, and these people give it to him. And so I'm just, I refuse, I refuse to let these people take my joy having defeated them um, for at least the next four years. I refuse to let them take my joy, march all they want. I hope they get frostbite. Well, I mean, let me say this this march uh, includes the Women for Trump event, um, and and they have falsely asserted this voter fraud and that that's the reason that Donald Trump lost the election. But we're seeing record turnout um, in terms of the popular vote. Arizona has been called. North Carolina was called, and Trump actually won it. Um, Arizona, much thanks to the Navajo Nation, uh, Native Americans in that state, who helped deliver a decisive win to Donald Trump. What will it take for such a huge crowd to accept that this is where we are as a country? And then, Jason, let me ask you, how do we proceed? How do we coexist with our fellow countrymen who are here willing to risk life and livelihood marching in the streets without masks, rejecting reality, rejecting the reality of COVID, rejecting the reality of the election? How are we expected to coexist with this crowd of people? Oh, we, we don't have to. I mean, we, we just have to tolerate them. Look, 230,000 people dying of COVID and 9 million people being infected has not changed the fact that these people still want to support and worship a guy who said that you should drink Clorox bleach to be okay. That's our media basically saying it's all bullshit. 
It's just all bullshit. People weren't getting beaten. And that last soundbite is motherfuckers running around with purge masks. If that doesn't tell you what this group, BLM and Antifa, are about, I don't know. But Brian Seltzer, to show you how fucking garbage our media is. Welcome to Twitter. What do you want to get angry about today? Trump's lies, Harry Style and Vogue, Newsom Party, out of context clips of DC violence. Matt Whitlock, out of context clips of DC violence, dismissing violence as needing context isn't a great take. Waltz Princess, what was out of context when people were eating and had fireworks thrown at them? John W., SARM First Class, retired. U.S. Army, hey buddy, how you doing? I'm about to follow you. Hi, Brian. I've been a videographer for the better part of 25 years. I started at three-quarter tape, a current edit digital. Please show me where the tapes have been edited or doctored. Of course he can't. Let me respond. Let me reply to him. Vet to vet. Thanks for typing tweeting this these ghouls are no different in my mind than the fucking Taliban boom he probably won't want me following him but I did it anyway um, out of context clips from uh, the hipster Wookiee of Trump supporters were shown being attacked and must be out of context. Nobody on here said what I wanted to say, and I did say to him, if the opposite was true, what would you be saying, Brian? What would you be saying? New York Post, conservatives say media ignored tax on Trump supporters and D.C. Mega March. The physical assaults today by le- violent leftists targeting his supporters abhorrent, Zeldin said. The near-total media blackout of the violence is terrible and telling. The media near-total sides by the physical violence perpetrated against conservatives is shameful and dangerous, Ivanka Trump said. Just imagine the outrage rage and indignation of the, it was the other way around. Violence is never the answer, and instigators must be condemned. Other conservatives called on Biden to condemn it. I want to hear Biden and Harris condemn Antifa and BLM criminals who assaulted and harassed peaceful demonstrator in D.C. today, including elderly families. Of course they won't. The skirmishes also drew rebuke from Kelly Paul, the wife of Senator Rand Paul, watching video of people assaulted and mobbed brings back some awful fucking memories. Mediate Dan Abrams who has been all over the place saying, I fear Trump's going to steal this election. After D.C. Mega March, Antifa and BLM trend as videos of violent confrontations spread on social media. In most cases, the only identification of the involved party is from the individual sharing the video from the scene, but in general, the videos are part of the trending Antifa BLM topic. Throughout the day, there were various reports of confrontation and the Proud Boys. That's what they say. Proud Boys. But this one wasn't that event. Here is Miles, Ian Miles Chong. Man tries to steal Trump flag. What happens next is beautiful. 
Let's listen to it together. It's not going to let me listen. Oh, there it is. <laughs> he tries to steal it. He rushes away and runs into a fucking pole. But what was the media reporting this week? It's the same stuff. And I was going to say for This Is America, because I'm getting sick of this, but new free speech app, Parler, could cause harm to democracy. Tech researcher on CNN. Let's listen to this. A lead researcher for technology condemning conservatives doing what many on the left have told conservatives to do, joined a new social media platform, and she used CNN to do it. Political ads lead researcher Bridget Barnett seemed disgusted by the fact conservatives have any safe haven online to share their ideas. She joined CNN in an interview November 15th. Her comment in the interview demonstrate what liberals don't care about conservative rights to free speech, but merely want those views to be silenced. CNN anchor Michael Holmes began with a leading question about how Parler constitutes an echo chamber. An echo chamber. These people have no self-awareness. My God, an echo chamber. Really? And asked, what are the risks in that? Barrett responds by panicking over how Parler will enable the spread of hate, of false information and terrorists both foreign and domestic, to recruit our plan. Oh, now you care about terrorists. Ilian Omar has the number one district district for terrorism recruiting. I don't see an article on that. I see it in conservative media, but CNN doesn't care. Barrett also warned that Parler could cause harm to our democracy itself. If you allow a space where none of these claims are going to be countered, that people are going to believe that an election was unfair or illegitimate when every valid and legitimate source has been clear that this was one of the best-run elections that we've ever had. Really. And then they ran these. Study warns that new work-from-home trend is making people more racist. Listen to this junk science. 76% of those who work in shared offices in the UK are exposed to ethnic diversity, meaning those who work from home are isolated. And as a result, likely to be prejudiced. 37% of unemployed people are also more likely to only have friends with their own ethnic group. So we have no proof of it. We just assume that because we force people to use 99 pronouns and a bitch ain't one, that that will make everybody liberal. When Twitter, Facebook, CNN's ratings, MSDNC clearly proves it's just making us more divided. It's not making us more woke. Nobody's woke at all. When you get all day, oh, you're a piece of shit. Being called a piece of shit actually does the opposite of what you're expecting it to do. So, no. No, it's not making us more racist. 
It's not making people prejudiced. It's making them suicidal. But you clearly don't care about that. Or else you guys would stop with all this bullshit. I mean, really. When you can't report violence... Like we saw for the last four years. Folks, we're going to get continually more divided. And as I keep warning on this show, eventually the people on the right are going to be done with this. And when you have people with all the guns pushing back, I'm here to tell you, there's going to be some death. I mean, we've had death all summer long from just hand beating. People just in fisticuff. That wasn't English. I sounded like I was 90. Fisticuffs. So, let's go into the rest of all this violence, because it it didn't stop. It's still happening, even if they don't, you know, it, it's like the, the tree in the woods. You can say, if I don't cover it, you won't hear it, and nobody will know about it. But they just have to go to Twitter, BG on the Street, and the NGO. It's going to keep happening. And it sounds like this.
Once again, I'm plugging Laura Logan like crazy today. This show was amazing. When George Floyd died, allegedly murdered by a white police officer in May, Americans poured onto the streets in pain and anger. There was something so terrible about the way his life ended. Those last moments on camera seared into memory. The days and weeks that followed filled with tributes, tears, prayers, and protests. From Minneapolis, where he was killed, to Hollywood, New York, Philadelphia, and beyond. With tragedy came opportunity for the socialist resistance on the left. A moment for their own Marxist revolution. And they were ready with a funding network and trained anarchist cells in place. From the start, graffiti and signs at every protest carried Antifa's messages and symbols. And their chants filled the air. Leaders who called out professional agitators brought in from out of state to ratchet up the violence were ignored, like the chief of police in New York. Get those groups out of here from California, from all over this country, who are being paid to take this movement, which is a good movement, and turn it into violence against the many women who love the communities. Months later, riots had all but consumed the protests. Federal agents were now stormtroopers, all cops supposedly bastards, and George Floyd too often missing from the narrative. Now the best part about this show, it dispels the whole concept that BL or BLM Antifa violence is an idea, all right? They show and break down numerous techniques. They show how there are websites everywhere telling them what to do. Flyers. It went through all the stuff that I've covered on this show about how they tell the you know the media what to fucking do. And the media does what the fuck they're told to do because the media is on board. I mean, completely on board. They love it. She even busted out um, Chuck Todd. Numerous times showing that he, you know, he literally allowed Antifa to get on and become normal. They just became normal. But she turned me on to Agency, an American PR project. Anarchistagency.com. I'm going to, for the next podcast, break down quite a few of these, all right? I put them in my news sites. And I haven't done this in a long time. Those are with the show. I went deep down the rabbit hole and found some really scary fucking shit on here. All right. I went to their website. I read their books, their magazines, 
put out. I mean, it was just like something out of the Taliban and ISIS. But I found zero channel. ChannelZeroNetwork.com. The best podcast. There's some serious shit in here. One of them was telling them exactly how to use BLM as the shield you need so you can do your violence. That's exactly what they were doing. And they show a burning of a cop car. And how, during the cop car burning, they had the crowd involved... And then simple people started doing little things like they just walked out of the crowd, broke a window. Another one of them walked out of the crowd, poured some oil, uh, flammables, and then somebody came and lit it. And it's exactly what we all know. This is a paramilitary organization that's using the internet to pass information. And if... There wasn't some organization to this that has been remained cloaked because FBI is not doing shit about it because they want to get rid of Trump. Barr's not doing shit about it because they want to get rid of Trump. Media's not reporting because they want to get rid of Trump. How do they all show up at the same time? How do they pass all this? That in itself is organization. But our media's not going to talk about it. I mean, why would they? Why? They're just not going to do a fucking thing. At all. One of the biggest ones that the media tried to use to segue was a BLM person knocked out. And they were saying that it was deceptively edited. It's the basically Andy NGO attack that he doesn't show the full thing. But the reality is, and you'll see this, or hear it, and that's why I want to start doing these podcasts on uh, freaking YouTube going forward, because it'd be great just to show it. This person had a fucking knife. That's fucking alien versus president with a scooter alien. Help the wounded! Help the wounded! Help the wounded! Proud Boys got a knife away from a Antifa protest. What? Hey! They would not fuck them if they're not. Fuck them! Don't even fucking help them! I mean that! Fuck
So no, it's not being deceptively edited. The violence is from one side. When the other side pushes back, you fucking partisan hacks report it. Which is why eventually it'll just get worse. You can try to will it away, but they're coming after you now. And I think the most exciting time will be when the media starts going, hey, this is horrible, when they start fucking up their events. Because it's going to happen. So, let's go to our This Is America. I'm going to play the worst things I heard this week. And then I'm excited to change up the podcast a bit and end on positive shit. Because we're so negative, it's hard not to find some positives. So, we're going to do, and I think I played most of these, but I'm a, or one of them, uh, rant that they he hopes people get frostbite, an MSNBC person. I'm going to play Katie Tour, so excited for them to lock the fuck down everything and work on climate change. I'm going to play Pelosi, pretty much showing that it, she knew there was fucking fraud. An NYPD guy saying that we're not going to enforce this stupid shit. And Holly, I put it in the negative because Josh Holly, uh, you can do all these stupid fucking hearings, but you don't fix anything, Republicans. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America in 2019. What do you make of so many people showing up to defy what has clearly been a confirmed victory by Joe Biden? These are people saying we refuse to accept the reality of what we're seeing. Yeah, well, reality doesn't care if they accept it or not, right? They lost. They're going to keep losing. Um, as, as the big Lebowski says, the bomb's lost, right? And so I'm not really... I mean, I'm concerned for the reasons why Jason said, but I, I, I don't forget the fact that these people are fundamentally um, a joke. These aren't serious people. These are members of a cult. I feel a little bit like I'm Jane Goodall watching people in the mist, right? Here we see the North American MAGA bro in all of its idiot glory. Their leader has left them for greener pastures, yet still they march, neatly, uh, almost mindlessly, right? I mean, Trump drove by that, that parade to go golf. His entire election um, 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 results lawsuit strategy is a grift to make money for his campaign, and these people give it to him. And so I'm just, I refuse, I refuse to let these people take my joy having defeated them um, for at least the next four years. I refuse to let them take my joy, march all they want. I hope they get frostbite. 
Well, I mean, let me say this this March uh, includes the Women for Trump event, um, and and they have falsely asserted this voter fraud and that that's the reason that Donald Trump lost the election. But we're seeing record turnout um, in terms of the popular vote. Arizona has been called. North Carolina was called, and Trump actually won it. Um, Arizona, much thanks to the Navajo Nation, uh, Native Americans in that state, who helped deliver a decisive win to Donald Trump. What will it take for such a huge crowd to accept that this is where we are as a country? And then, Jason, let me ask you, how do we proceed? How do we coexist with our fellow countrymen who are here willing to risk life and livelihood marching in the streets without masks, rejecting reality, rejecting the reality of COVID, rejecting the reality of the election. How are we expected to coexist with this crowd of people? Oh, we we don't have to. I mean, we we just have to tolerate them. Look, 230,000 people dying of COVID and 9 million people being infected has not changed the fact that these people still want to support and worship a guy who said that you should drink Clorox bleach to be okay. Four years of climate change denial will come to an end on January 20th when President-elect Joe Biden takes office. He is planning a flurry of climate-focused executive actions on day one, including rejoining the Paris Accords, implementing the already existing Clean Air Act, and requiring public companies to disclose their operational climate risks and greenhouse gas emissions. It begins with reinstating many of the climate regulations that President Trump systematically rolled back. We have had this conversation multiple times about the number one priority for getting back in the fight against climate change. And you've always said step one is getting Donald Trump out of office. Okay, step one seems to be down. What does Joe Biden need to do now to make sure that we are not in a in a bad situation 25, 50 years from now? We've got to undo first all of the damage that was done by four years of Trump. And that means restoring the regulations uh, against polluters. Um, That means, uh, once again, uh, reinforcing uh, our uh, existing policies. Uh, We have to tighten uh, regulations on carbon and methane emissions, uh, improve fuel efficiency standards. Um, that's job one. But again, we've got to go well beyond that. And so it's all about executive action, taking advantage of all of the departments of the administration to attack this problem in a multi-pronged fashion. How do you get past a, a, a seesawing of uh, Democratic president goes for climate change or go or fights against climate change? Republican president denies all of it and rolls back regulations. What needs to be codified? What can be codified? The president is going to be focused on creating an administration with climate expertise in place at every single agency and with a whole of government approach. And but what I think do you that do so really the next president that comes around doesn't roll it back? I feel very confident that Joe Biden will be elected president on Tuesday, whatever the end count is. But on the election that occurs on Tuesday, he will be elected. On January 20th, he will be inaugurated president of the United States. So while we don't want to be overconfident or assume anything, we have to be ready for how we are going to go down a different path. We've come to a fork in the road when it comes to the coronavirus. The president has taken us on a deadly path. The HEROES Act takes us on a scientific path to help save the lives, the livelihood, and the lives of the American people. 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. In the late 19th century, the heads of the biggest corporations in America, the robber barons, got together and they set rates, they set prices, they determined how they would control information flow, they determined how they get rid of competition. And uh, I'll be darned if we aren't right back there again. Except for this time, you're the robber barons. Your companies are the most powerful companies in the world. And I want to talk about how you're coordinating together to control information. These people fucking suck. That's all I got to say. They all fucking suck. So in an attempt to cut down the podcast, I'm not doing a really good job of it because it just seems to be getting about three hours anyway. But I still want to end on some something positive. You know, we do a whole podcast of just fascist media bias you're a nazi crap so i decided to end on some good shit so we're gonna call it the good shit our first three sound bites are nypd that i was supposed to put in this in america but i held saying we ain't forcing that freaking ain't having thanksgiving shit people chanting fox sucks now that's kind of interesting and mary Catherine ham Sticking it to the man. Want a break from the media kicking you in the balls and calling you a Nazi transsexa homophobe? It's that time to end on some positive sound bites. Oh yeah, here comes the good shit. Uh, tell one side that that's bad and they're going to spread the, spread the virus while the other one sort of gets a pass. Uh, I don't just, the, the virus doesn't discriminate based on political viewpoint and neither do I and I don't think we should in general. With the giant caveat that please be careful out there. But I, I, am, I do want to be careful not to discourage the sacrosanct right to gather and, and vent in these ways because it's part of what makes our democracy healthy. I should note on the Stacey Abrams comparison, I mean, the reason that she was effective post her race was because she actually started, you know, a nonprofit to get out the vote, to really juice up the voter turnout to make sure people yeah, have do, the right do we think, to exercise but do we think, their right. But do we, think if, do we think if Trump did not concede, which would be, I think we can all agree, wrong, uh, that if he started an, an effective GOTV nonprofit, that we would all be giving him magazine covers and good coverage? No, I don't think that would be right. And yet it happens on the other side, and I think he sees that very clearly. I just don't think that there's a, a total comparison there. But let's move on, because I don't want to make this, you know, President Trump versus Stacey Abrams. I, go ahead, Ryan. Did you want to say something? I take that point. Look, I've covered the Trump White House now for four years. I interviewed Stacey Abrams the other day, right before the election. And, you know, I don't want to be too cute about this, but, uh, you know, Donald Trump is no Stacey Abrams. Uh, what happened in Georgia, it was um, a more defensible post-election uh, non-concession, I guess I would call it, in terms of I mean, the margin was larger. Yeah, um, but let's, you know, I, I don't, I just don't, I, I think it's fair to point it out, but I do... I do want to call a little false equivalence on like what Trump is doing in trying to delegitimize the incoming presidents, not honoring him with the traditional uh, uh, smooth transition during a crisis. We saw when this happened in 2000, the 9-11 commission, you know, ar argued that the, the, the messed up transition that year because of the recount um, 
gave the Bush team not did not allow the Bush team enough uh, time to organize themselves and didn't take the threat of terrorism as seriously as they as they might have. So it's a little bit it, 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 it is a little bit different in terms of the scale of the irresponsibility here of just completely not honoring a presidential election result and crippling um, day you know as we as we as days turn into weeks the incoming president's uh, transition in the in the middle of multiple crises so that's 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 the one point I would make about that and it's not just one state I me. Mean- Oh, yeah, I like that. Good for you. I, I could play the NYPD because it's just like, it's just a statement. So really, there's no reason just to play a statement on the show because that's all it was. Yeah, we're not enforcing that. So good for them because it's fucking stupid. If you can go out and do all this other bullshit like Mary Catherine Ham said, well, I'm pretty sure you can go out and do you some fucking goddamn Thanksgiving. Our next ones are going to be Tucker Carlson. Um, I was going to play COVID one, but I kind of covered everything. This is a follow-up with that poor author, but it's a little more in-depth. And once again, this is our future with these fascists that are taking over the White House. Here's something you probably never read a story about, but at the same time, something that's changed this country in a very basic way. In the last decade, there has been a huge spike in transgender identification among teenage girls. What is this about exactly? Well, one author, a journalist called Abigail Schreier, wanted to know. So she wrote a book about what may be causing the increase in identification. The response tells you everything. Target immediately stopped selling the book after an anonymous Twitter user complained it was, quote, transphobic. Target itself tweeted this, quote, we have removed this book from our assortment. Then a professor at UC Berkeley called Grace Lavery celebrated that decision. Lavery wrote, quote, I encourage followers to steal Abigail Schreier's book and burn it on a pyre. Okay, well, that's lunacy. But here's how the ACLU responded. An attorney there wrote this, quote, stopping the circulation of this book and these ideas is 100% a hill I will die on. Now, after much public outcry, Target reversed its decision to ban the book. But this kind of censorship is happening everywhere now, particularly on this topic. And the question is, why is that? Abigail Schreier is the author of the book, Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. And we're happy to have her on tonight. Abigail, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. So let me ask you the, the meta question first. Why do you think the censorship of your book has been so aggressive and so unapologetic, just out in the open? What is that? You know, woke activists have taken the position that we are never allowed to question anyone's transition, no matter their age, the circumstance, or the incredible lack of adequate medical oversight. I I fully support medical transition for mature adults. My book specifically looked at a sudden and alarming spike among teenage girls, and I took a hard look at why. And I want to ask you why, but could it, why this topic? I mean, my sense is maybe it's the least defensible positions that people feel they have to defend the most aggressively, but maybe there's another reason. I think they get the sense that if anyone's transition is ever questioned, that they they will not be able to, you know, issue demands for whatever treatment they want. Right now, you have individuals who claim to be gen- uh, gender dysphoric, that is, have severe discomfort in their biological sex 
tests. They are self-diagnosing, and all and doctors are just told to rubber stamp this. And you know, look for these teenage girls. A lot of them really don't have gender dysphoria, so they're unlikely right. to be helped by medical transition. Well, it sounds like they're likely to be hurt by it. Why this? Give us a sense of the scale of the change in identifications of gender dysphoria and and, and the reason for it. Sure. So it used to afflict roughly 0.01% of the total population, so that's 1 in 10,000 people. And it was always overwhelmingly male. I think roughly 0.003% right. of females, so 1 in 30,000 females, were afflicted by it. Um, and they always had started in, in childhood. They always started with childhood gender dysphoria. Today, we're seeing a spike in, in teenage girls who claim to have this, and they have no childhood history at all. So we know that this is very strange. Oh, it's and, and, and we're now seeing 2 percent of high school students, um, most of whom are, are teenage girls, claiming to be transgender. So we know this is a very, very large spike that doesn't seem to make sense. And even stranger, it's clustered in friend groups. Teenage girls are coming out with their friends. Uh, so we know this is socially driven. Are, are some of the medical responses to this, I mean, what do they include? So you go to the doctor, you say, my 14-year-old has gender dysphoria. What is the physician likely to do next? Well, it, you know, the age of medical consent varies by state. In Oregon, it is 15. So a 15-year-old, without her parents' permission and without so much as a therapist note, can walk into a gender clinic and walk out that day with a course of testosterone. Seriously? Seriously. Uh, what are the long-term effects of that on, on teenagers? Well, um, it puts fertility at risk, um, at very serious risk. After uh, five years, doctors usually recommend a prophylactic hysterectomy. Um, it, it, of course, permanently changes your voice, your facial features. Um, your, your, um, you, you can end up with a permanent five o'clock shadow, and it alters uh, uh, private anatomy as well. So many cowards have stood by and let this happen. So many. And you were brave. Uh, Abigail Shire, I really appreciate your coming on tonight. Thank you. Thank you. And then lastly, I got to play a Tucker on the election. Once again, I'm not going in depth on this because it just, we're, we're getting to the point where as of last night, it's pretty obvious anybody that's going to step up is going to get skull fucked and that's going to be the end of it. And that's what's happening. So even though we all know, I mean, I could show you, I mean, my favorite segment on this. All right. And let me get back to it because I popped out of read mode under the election. A gentleman uh, punched out some data and shift in Democratic raw vote margin from 16 president to 2020. His name is Matthew Isabel. Can look at the shift in Florida via percent or raw vote. So Biden lost Florida by 260,000 votes from more than Clinton. 75% of that came from Miami-Dade alone. Without that, he'd still have fallen way too short. And they're showing literally negative 381,000 votes in POC. POC. The same is in Ohio. And for all these people who say, well, this whole concept of the election is rigged and all that crap. The thing that's very disturbing is Dinesh D'Souza. 1, 2, 3, 4, 8, 12, 16, 20, 
45 newspapers, a time to heal. Now, these aren't Gannett. So it's not Gannett that punched it out. It's literally what they had prepped for post-election. Time to heal. It's just time to forget about all the times we punched you in the face, called you a Nazi, etc., etc. It just with Pelosi talking about fraud, um, which do I have that soundbite? I think I have that soundbite. Um, well, it just basically, she's just basically saying, oh, he's going to win. It's like they knew she w- he was going to win. They knew it not because of polls, because they knew this was plan B. And then every non-biased person that has broken down the demographics, broken down the stoppage, voted, broken down, why is everything breaking for Biden, not Trump? Why do we keep filing thumb drives of ballots in Georgia? Why did the Michigan AG say, I'm not certifying this, then to be fucking pressured, doxxed, and threatened to back off and say, okay, we'll do it. And then every media coming up with the same fucking talking points. It's just time to forget about us for four years, not for one fucking second saying that it was a legitimate election. I mean, Schiff is still talking about Russian collusion, boys and girls. So, I want to make sure everybody out there, whether you are going to think negatively or not, I've always been positive, or not positive, but I've been honest on this show. They stole the election. Without a doubt, they stole it. Their algorithms didn't work. Dominion flipped votes like it was supposed to, but it didn't work. So then they hand counted, because there's too many affidavits saying they've seen people in rooms with 50 ballots just fucking flowing them things like crazy the election was stolen the reason why i'm not covering it at nauseum is because it won't matter none of this will matter they're not going to change it because this is what the establishment wanted and they got it and if they overturned it they know the violence would be out of control right now so don't think for a second i think it's on the up and up it's not It's not on the up and up. They stole the fucking thing. But I'm only going to cover little things here and there. And I think the way Tucker covered it was pretty good. Well, Election Day was 13 days ago. In some of the most populated cities in our country, the vote is still being counted, amazingly. As of this morning, for example, the borough of Manhattan, the most densely packed place in the biggest city in America, had only reported about 60% of the votes cast. That is incredibly dysfunctional. There are entire countries, big countries like Brazil, that count the entire country's vote in 24 hours. So what's wrong with us? Why does it take Manhattan and states like Pennsylvania and Georgia and North Carolina so much longer? Millions of Americans, understandably, are asking that question and questions like it. Those are real questions. 
Our current system does not inspire confidence. Unless they get a real answer, no amount of threats or censorship, and they're getting both, will make the population shut up. People have legitimate concerns about the integrity of our elections. And right now, a lot of those concerns center on the software that many states use to keep track of ballots. Several Trump campaign attorneys, prominently Sidney Powell, say they have evidence that certain voting software was rigged and that millions of ballots were changed from Donald Trump to Joe Biden. That is a shocking claim, but we do not dismiss it out of hand. We're dealing here on the left with people who support third trimester abortion and BLM riots. So clearly they have no limits by definition. What wouldn't they do? On the other hand, those are very serious charges and you'd better have evidence if you make those charges. And of course, we were not going to endorse that story before we see the evidence ourselves. We asked to see that evidence. We haven't yet received it. If it exists, we will see it soon. There's a timeline on this. In Pennsylvania, the deadline to certify the election results is November 23rd. That's a week from today. So legitimate claims of fraud will be proven by then or they won't be. Right now, though, what's interesting is the total unwillingness of anyone in power even to entertain the idea that there might be something wrong with any of the election software that was used two weeks ago. What's weird about that is that worries about election software are not a conspiracy theory and they're not even partisan. They are long-standing, and they have been widely aired. Four years ago, CNN told us that scientists were convinced there might have been hacking of the software in the 2016 election. Some computer scientists are privately urging her campaign to ask for a recount in several crucial Rust Belt swing states. Why is that? Because they say Clinton got fewer votes than she should have in critical counties that used specifically electronic voting machines. And those scientists say that there could be a pattern there and that this is potentially explosive, indicating those machines could have been manipulated or hacked. So... To be totally honest about it, a lot of Trump voters laughed at that. I think we laughed at it at this show. Either way, the Democrats never proved that it happened, but they remain deeply concerned about election software. Just last year, several leading Democrats in the Senate, moderates, including Amy Klobuchar and Mark Warner of Virginia, sent a letter to the three largest vendors of election systems in our country. Those companies included Election Systems and Software, Dominion Voting Systems, Inc., and Hart InterCivic. The letter the senator sent read this way, quote, the integrity of our elections is directly tied to the machines we vote on, the products that you make. There has been a lack of meaningful innovation in the election vendor industry, and our democracy is paying the price. Republicans, we should say, shared that concern. Just last year, examiners for the Texas Secretary of State rejected the idea of using Dominion voting systems in Texas. They raised concerns about whether the system was, quote, safe from fraudulent or unauthorized manipulation. For the past three years, Democrats lined up on television to warn exactly that. They said we could be minutes away from a full-scale hack of our democracy itself. Even hackers with limited prior knowledge, tools, and resources are able to breach voting machines in a matter of minutes. I continue to think that our voting machines are too vulnerable. Researchers have repeatedly de demonstrated that ballot recording machines and other voting systems are susceptible to tampering. In Arizona, malware was installed in the state elections website. Voters in Georgia and Texas saw electronic voting machines deleting votes and switching them to other candidates. Our election system and our digital infrastructure are still 
exceptionally vulnerable to attack. Unsecured machines that might as well have the words scrawled on them, please hack me, comrade, in Russian. Russia. So try to put aside the Russian nonsense. Nothing, by the way, no lie in our lifetimes has so thoroughly degraded confidence in our systems, done more to make the population paranoid and afraid than the Russia lie. And people should be held accountable for that. They haven't been. They should be. But the point here is that Democrats have been warning about electronic election fraud for a long time, long before Donald Trump showed up. In 2014, for example, the left-wing outlet Vox tweeted that, quote, 68% of Americans think elections are rigged. Ron Klain, who apparently is now set to become the chief of staff to Joe Biden, agreed with that. That's because they are, Klain replied. It's now fair to ask if Ron Klain had a point. And let's get specific in this. Consider the state of Georgia, where the presidential race is currently within about 15,000 votes. Georgia uses Dominion's voting system. Now, to be clear, we are not alleging that that system was hacked. We're not alleging that it was written to throw the election to Joe Biden. If there's evidence of that, show it to us. But the problems with that system are intrinsic. And here's one of them. It doesn't produce a paper trail of a voter's decision. Instead, the state of Georgia uses something called ballot marking devices, BMDs, for in-person voting. The machines print a piece of paper indicating the candidate the machines say the voter chose. And that's supposed to be reassuring, but it's not really evidence of voter intent, is it? No, it's not. And according to a paper published in February by researchers at Princeton, Georgia Tech, and Berkeley, ballot marking devices are not secure. Quote, BMDs are also subject to hacking, bugs, and misconfiguration of the software that prints the marked ballots. Most voters do not review BMD printed ballots, and those who do often fail to notice when the printed vote is not what they expressed on the touchscreen. There is no action a voter can take to demonstrate to election officials that a BMD altered their expressed votes. End quote. So there's no way to check, and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, that's not good. Who thought this up? It requires a level of faith that we no longer have in the United States in our system, and we need to change that. By the way, it's not unique to Georgia, and it's not unique to Dominion. Philadelphia County, for example, doesn't use Dominion. That county uses election systems and softwares, ExpressVote XL. According to a report in Bloomberg News, ExpressVote XL caused chaos in polling stations last year. Quote, in one case, it turned out a candidate that the XL showed getting just 15 votes had won by 1,000. Neither Northampton nor the vendor knew what went wrong. So how'd that happen? Well, it was the software. The software in question was so unreliable that a Berkeley professor called Philip Stark told Bloomberg bluntly that, quote, there's no reason to believe that the paper trail generated by the Excel accurately reflects voters' selections. That's still true. It will remain true, no matter how many 32-year-old news reporters pop up on your screen and demand you stop worrying about it because everything is fine and the experts say it's all foolproof and impossible to hack. At best, they've got no idea what they're talking about, and at worst, they're lying. Either way, this is a real problem, no matter who the president is, because increasingly, Americans don't trust technology. And why would they? They've seen Google at work. They know how easily technology can abet corruption, and they know how often it is, which is a lot, every day. The people who've thought about this most, election integrity, believe that hand-marked paper ballots are the safest way to vote and inspire the most confidence, which is key for the system to work. 
Democrats like Ron Wyden, to his credit, have argued for paper ballots for years. And maybe we ought to listen. We need to do something. Something needs to change. And soon, no democracy can survive many more elections like this one. And we broke three hours anyway. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm really trying. It's just so hard when I'm just, I mean, I deleted and edited so much stuff I didn't cover. But with the sound bites, it's quite a bit. And I really wanted to hit. All the hate that's still coming down while they're subsequently saying, you need to get over it. You need to unify. This is America. And I had to do a large COVID today. I haven't touched COVID in a long time. But after going on post, there's something up. Which is why I think he fired Esper. Because I really believe they were just doing their own thing. And this was part of the plan. We're going to get everybody scared again. Throw them in in their houses and install our government get to work in january people won't be able to go on protest because if they do they'll go to fucking jail now when conservatives go out and go yeah i don't want one party i don't want you to do that shit but they're they don't give a fuck they're gonna do what they're gonna do they're allowed to do it because we have a complicit media, that's part of it. So, I, I this COVID really, if if you're an honest person, why, in the name of Zeus's ass crack, are we acting like it's worse than when it first broke out? Why? We were bending the curve in March and April. Somehow, some way, doing what you're told still didn't change that curve, boys and girls. Because if we're all about to die like outbreak, well, I think you guys are just making shit as you go along. So, anywho, that'll close this bad boy out. Please feel free to share comments with me at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcast gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Blueberry, Down and Pocket Cast, and soon YouTube. I'll put out that information. I already have a FOP podcast um, YouTube account. I was going to start just breaking it down and putting it out like that, but I just never did it. Remember, check out the Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. We're going to go with the Sunday again. Sunday, Wednesday is our track. So it'll be 22 November, year of our Lord 2020. I probably won't do a 25th, the day before Thanksgiving. So I might just do two podcasts a day, a politics, and, well, I guess I'll just do one. I used to do every holiday, but I guess for those who have been listening a long time, what else are we going to talk about Turkey? Pilgrims came. It was a genocide. White people are racist. That's Thanksgiving, right? Something like that. Remember to disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. Spend some time with your family. Tune in Sunday, and we'll do this all over again. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed and send suggestions or comments to email address F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T 
at gmail.com. Remember, the flyover states are the backbone of this country. Never fear flying your flag and standing tall. Ignore the media hate. Ignore the fascist coastal states. Try as they might to bring America down. The patriots of this country will never 